And thank you for joining your host Andrew Davis to Tune Talk Radio with Gravity Radio Northeast. If you have any questions tonight, you can go to two places. You can go to my Twitter, which is Andrew14AD, or you can go to www.fansonline.net slash Newcast United and click the green button to listen into the show, or also hit the message tab where I will ask your question live and exclusive to all of our guests on the show. Remember to go to www.gravityradionortheast.co.uk and add us on the TuneIn app. You can also uh, call the show, which is 0191 538 9781 and talk live in the studio or register your interest on the message board. Good evening, everybody. It's Andrew again. Yes, that was a digital me. This is the real me. You can also go to www.toontalk.co.uk and you can listen directly into the show live and you can also send any messages uh, to, to me, to us in the studio, uh, where we can ask our guests tonight. So, what happened on Sunday is probably one of the strangest games I've ever seen. Uh, the react before and afterwards... It kicked off. You got a guy running on the pitch, getting arrested, put in jail. He's now going to be uh, censored to go into the game. We've now had Mike Ashley come on TV live and exclusive on Sky. So lots to talk about. Rafa's first game. We uh, Mitrovic getting a goal. It's all been happening as ever on Toon Talk Radio. Well, we're bringing my guest, my normal host every week, uh, Neil Mitchell. Good evening, Neil. How are you? Sounding less like Darth Vader and more like Barry White today after the way my throat is after all the shouting I did yesterday. But um, all, be, all well considering um, three points would have been better. I can't help but thinking a single point's not going to help either. Um, but yeah, odd game. Tenth times. At least we stopped the rot of the six, seven in a row, whatever they want to call it. And, you know, um, you try to look at the positives because that's, that's the only way we can. Um, the, the, the knife in the heart really was Norwich winning at the weekend, um, yeah. which sort of puts a little bit more pressure for this weekend coming up. But uh, yeah. yeah, interesting times, as you say. Yeah, um, obviously we're, we're going to go straight into our guests. We've got Kev, a Newcastle United mm-hmm. fan. Remember, who's on 1892 Club. Uh, his uh, Twitter is 1892 on Twitter if you want to get in touch with him, because remember. He is going to be having writers uh, from next season 
on you Cash United. Could be in the Premier League, it could be in the Championship. So get scribbling. Uh, Kevin is going to be available to well, read what you have to write, put it out there for the whole World Wide Web to comment on. So, my first guest tonight is Kevin, you Cash United fan. Good evening, Kevin. How are you? Uh, good evening, lads. Uh, not bad. I'm a bit of a sore throat as a, as a, as a Neil. <laughs> I think I must. Yesterday. I think I must be. I must be the only professional, only or the only professional person amongst a lot of you. Dear me. So it's been an interesting. Well, obviously, yesterday was very yes, no laughing, Neil. But like, um, obviously, you saw the game yesterday. Um, we had obviously Rafa coming in as new manager. We on the back of losing against Leicester. We've since had. Michael Ashley come on t- TV today and talk about uh, Newcastle United and his infamous um, retail brand. So tell me, f- first of all, what was your it, what was your first instinct when you saw him on TV talking before we get to the game? Um, I've seen quotes. I've not actually seen the interview itself. Um, uh, let's be honest, he's, he's not going anywhere, is he? Um, we, all, we all know that now. I think we're all getting used to that. Um, now it's time to, to look forward for me, build bridges. He's got a, a lot of builders, uh, sorry, bridges to build. Um, the fans haven't done anything wrong. The fans have just, you know, just have put their voice out there and say they're not happy. Um, it's time to step up. Uh, if we go down, he needs to try and keep with his money in my opinion the, the the better players at the club to to get us straight back up if we go down um and for him to turn down here it's like a, you know we're stuck together well we're stuck together because of him not because of us because of the way he's run the football club since he came yeah what what, what was your thoughts neil well on mike ashley's comments yeah. today look um my my viewpoint on Mike Ashley is is possibly slightly different than many. Um, history tells us if we get get relegated, he won't necessarily sell. I find it interesting he's talking about how he won't sell, and he's the master of bluff and double bluff. Does that is that him flying a kite, getting it in the news that associating the word Newcastle United and sell? Who knows? Um, one thing for sure, he'll want more than the club is worth. Um, we know this, we know how he deals and operates, we know what values he's put on the club in the past, and in the recent past, the most most recent one, where suddenly the value jumped up 100 million in the minute the bloke walked in the room. Um, this is how he operates, he flies kites, he's expecting to get a nibble from China or wherever the perceived money is. The money is certainly not coming from here in the Middle East at this moment in time, that much I can absolutely assure you. Um, so I think it's it, it, it's, a, it's a curious thing for him to come out with because history tells me one thing, but you just never know how the man operates at the end of the day. Um, yeah. I think he would sell if he got the price he wanted. Just yeah. as simple as that. He's a businessman. Yeah, we're going to we're, obviously we're going to revisit this as the night progresses. So mm. um, I was going to say, Kevin, when you saw the team, yeah, obviously the, the way it was set up, picked, um, but throughout the fact that how well we played. At Sunderland, uh, what was your thoughts when you saw it, Kev? Um, well, I thought it was the best team we could possibly put out on the pitch. To be honest with you, um, I didn't think we would. You know, there was anyone on the bench that would be able to start. Would do anything. Didn't see that was on the pitch. Um, so I was happy with the start lineup. Uh, 
you're coming in and out, Kevin, at the moment. I think your phone's not in a great area, but um, you, you, thought, you thought it was quite good. You, you, you like Perez up front and with Mitrovic? Yeah, Perez and Mitrovic, um, that's what we've been asking for. Um, don't think it particularly worked on Sunday, if I'm honest. Um, look, I think Perez, I'm start, I don't know, I don't think he's a striker. Um, I wanted him to have his chance up front. I didn't think it worked. it's working for him. I think he looks better when he's out on the wing, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think he looks yeah. more dangerous out there um, as, a, as a sort of an inside forward, stroke left winger. Um, I think I think going forward we need either CCA up top with with Mitrovic who has to start every game if he's fit, um, Mitrovic that is, and or Dumbai, um, mm. wherever he left is. Left out yesterday, wasn't know. he? Left out. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I think I think you need to start CCA with him. I think. Uh, what do you think, uh, Neil? Because obviously Perez showed. You know, obviously he's got he's, he's got a lot of supporters. He is he's he's going to be a, he's going to be a fine player, but he's one of these people that he is. Um, he's not really a finisher. He likes to flash. I, 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 I call him a flasher. He, he he does. There just seems to be like he doesn't seem to have that, um, you know, killer instinct uh, to score. Do you think, Neil? Um, I, I think he's been a bit in and out this season. Yeah. Um, and and at the minute we need we need goals. And the one thing Cissé could bring is goals. We know that he can score goals. He, he, he's a scorer of good goals and great goals. He's not necessarily a great goal scorer. But if we're going to play two up top, we've got two strikers in Mitrovic and Cissé who are different types of strikers mm-hmm. who I think might be able to work together. But again, it's a big ask to ask them to suddenly form a pair partnership in the time we've got. Whereas Perez and Mitrovic seem to like each other as, a, as people, they seem to play well together and they seem to know how each other work when they've worked together in tandem before. So I think it, it's a tough call. At the minute, I would stick with Perez and Mitrovic and, and, and have CCA to come on to, to mix it up, uh, to offer something different. But it's, um, it, it is it's a difficult call because Perez seems to have been in and out with McLaren, in and out of the team, and he's been used in different positions and not really had a fixed role. And I think that's something, at least Benitez seems to, to want to be able to settle people into roles. And I think that's something that had, has needed to happen. Yeah, what do you think, Kev? Because obviously the first half was so dire. And, yeah. um, you know, they, they let, let's, you know, you've got to give it to Sunderland. That game should have been dead and buried, shouldn't it? Because we we just we just didn't seem to get started. No, probably you know well look the first half was an absolute shambles. Um, they were by far well not by far but they were the better team. They deserved to be leading at half time. Um, they looked better across the midfield. They were dominating the midfield. Um, you know they, they were handling what we had to throw at them, um, and we were we were very poor. Um, very the poor. footballers that. The, the starting eleven that were on the pitch, um, you know, been communicating via this NUFC Twitter account, etc., etc. Mm. You know, they're up for it and they're gonna they're gonna give it their all. And well, yet again, more disappointment because they were pathetic. You know, every single one of them um, didn't didn't pull on the black and white top to, to the, the ability that they probably can. Um, you know, and it was it was frustrating, especially when, the, when you see. Probably after about what fifty-five minutes, sixty minutes, mm-hmm. how we started to play. Um, I thought De Jong's introduction made a massive difference, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not really a big fan of De Jong, if I'm honest. 
uh, he calmed calmed it down in the centre of midfield. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he brought players into the game. Um, I, I thought Wijnaldum's wasted from the positions he's getting played, although he did assist for the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a number 10. That's why he scores goals when he plays in the number 10 role, because that's where his best, his best position is. And we're not putting him in that position, which is detrimental to the team, in my opinion. Um, but look, the second, we, we were the better team. Um, I think the, the draw was a fair result overall, in my opinion. Uh, I think if Mitrovic had stayed on the pitch, um, we might have nicked another goal. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Um, but like I say, overall, a draw is a fair result. But we cannot play like we did in the first half if we want to have any hope of playing Premier League football next year. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, obviously we talk, we've talked about this for, for months and months and months now when it comes to De Jong, Neil, haven't we? It it's so. Mm. Unbelievable. I, obviously, I think it's it's it must be linked to fitness because you brought him on after 60 minutes. But the fact mm. that Newcastle are not creating much in midfield, you need a steady head, you need a captain material, which De Jong is. Yeah. You have to play him. You've got you've got a bunch of players there that really don't seem to be able to gel that great. Um, the problem you have away from home, I would on when, when it comes to. Ginny Wijnaldum, uh, Kev, is that the guy is in and out so many times. It's like walking in tes- It's like people that walk into Tesco's. You know, you you, you never yeah. you know, you, you're uh, going to get different. You're going to get a different person all the time. But um, what what did you think about the, the second half, Neil? Because it's still, I think nothing was happening. It, we are very very lucky. Very very lucky. We we drew that game. Well. You can, we can say that, that Andrew, but you know when you look on the momentum of the game, as I think this Kev quite rightly says, I think if Mitrovic had stayed on the pitch in that last mm-hmm. five minutes, we, we could have could have nicked it, and we, we didn't deserve three points. We certainly deserved a point. And I, and I know I think Sunderland set themselves out very well in the first half. It was interesting team selection. Allardyce in his pre-game interview was talking about preparing the players mentally, getting them in the right frame of mind for the derby. He pulled Catamore out of the starting eleven. Mm, you know, and you know he—he's well. He knows he's a walking yellow card. So get him out. Don't start him. Not a game for him. It was quite, I think, quite a shrewd move. And then when it comes to you know, as the game went on, we came more into it. De Jong's a mystery because I think he's made with belly button fluff and held together with butter. <laughs> he just seems to, you know, he—he—he—he—he he, 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 he just falls to bits. But you know, there's a there is a class player in there. We can all see it. You know, when he's not, you know, electrocuting himself or stepping on a rake and poking himself in the eye with it or whatever stupid bloody injury he's going to get next. Um, Unlucky's not even the word for it. Um, it, I think he's also part of the problem in that we bought about 17 number 10s and nobody seems to know what his best position is and neither does he seem to know anymore. And so we're trying to squeeze all these players into the side um, you know, we've got more central midfielders than we can shake a stick at, but we don't seem to have a settled two that can open the doors of an opposition's defence from midfield, and it's just frustrating as heck. Yeah, very much so. What, what was the, the, surpri- the surprising thing for me, Kev, is that in the second half, yes, we came a little bit more into it, but the fact that we went into 1-0 at, at half-time, were you surprised the changes weren't made at half-time? No, I mean, not many managers 
press the panic button straight away, does it? Um, mm. You know, Benitez is a, is a cool character. He's not gonna. I don't think he would. He would rush panic, shall we say, into making substitutions. Um, funnily enough, uh, you know, I, I think a couple of substitutions were, were forced upon. Were, um, I, I wasn't quite sure on the callback substitution. Um, I know he's suspended for the next game. Maybe that was a tactical one to see who just put it left back. I don't know. Um, obviously, Jan Mack now doubtful. Uh, but no, no, I, don't, I don't think there's any need to push a panic button. Um, no, we, we, su- we, we surprised. We surprised, like um, like um, Neil just said, when it came to um, he didn't start Catamol, especially with that Kershaw being a bit of an unknown quantity because when he when he first came to Sunderland. Uh, he was laughed at, wasn't he? But he just he seemed yeah. to he seemed to completely take over take over the midfield, didn't he? Yeah, no, I was just about to actually bring that up. Um, yeah, look, um, I'll be very surprised if Catmore gets his place back in the starting eleven next week. Um, although probably the week after in that football, yeah. um, yeah. Kirchhoff was the man of the match for me. Um, he, he he controlled the, the game basically. I'm not sure if he got brought off actually. Um, yeah, I he took him off, yeah. He came off, and, and I think, to be honest with you, when he did come off, that's when we started to, to look like we were going to trouble him. Um, you know, that, I think that was the difference. He, that, that guy was running that football game, and there's no two, no no doubt about it. The reason we, we started on Lockman was because he wasn't on that pitch. It was interesting, wasn't it, because they, like, um, because, we'll get to like, Neil in a minute, but they, they went, Newcastle started going down the right hand, the left hand side, instead of going through the middle, uh, just, just, that was a bit of a subtle difference compared to uh, McLaren, you would think, wouldn't it? think he would have just kept on going? Um, well, we don't know, do we? I mean, I, to be honest with you, I shook my head when brought Townsend off. I thought he was the most productive player in, in, in what was a poor performance at the time. Um, I'm surprised he got brought off because he was, he was on the goalies man and the chance, mm. the, the sort like the few good things that we had done were through him. Um, I don't think we'll afford to bring Townsend off. I, you know, I think he's probably going to be one of the players that does help with stay up if we do. Mm. Um, tactic wise, you know, I think we will look better with options on 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 all avenues. So you've got your De Jong in the middle when 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 he came on. He, mm. You had Perez who looked better out on the wing, in my opinion. I've been, been slating the guy today. <laughs> On Twitter, um, <laughs> you know, I said he's not good enough up front, and I don't. I honestly, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not seeing this. I'm not seeing it anymore. I wanted it to happen. Him and mm. per, um, Mitrovic we spoke mm. about it after the just before the Spurs game and worked at Spurs. Um, but I don't think he's got the pace. Um, you know, and he's he's too much of a. I don't know. He's, he's too much of a number ten for me again. Mm. Um, number ten, which we don't need. I want him to be a striker that's playing off Mitrovic. Um, maybe they just need to work on that, and, you know, get in behind Mitrovic so he can flick it on. And you've obviously, you know, you put Wisnaldum on the right who, who did set up the goal, um, who was ineffective until that point, if we're honest, um, which isn't like him. Normally he's a, he's a bit more effective in home games. Okay. So, you know, we've right. got, we've got yeah. a lot of, a lot of um, you know, square pegs, shall we say, in mm. the holes at the minute. Well, we'll be talking about Norwich next Monday, but but as, as ever, thanks for coming on, Kev. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch no you next problem. Monday. Thanks, thanks for your time tonight. No problem. Cheers, Cheers guys. Mate. Cheers, Kev. Cheers, mate. Ta-da. Well, great. as ever, Kev is always good value, 
uh, on Newcastle United. Mm-hmm. Great, great to have him on the on the show. And uh, we've uh, it's it's interesting isn't it? when it comes to who you're going to play in the middle. Always seems to be the, to be the the, cons- the concern with uh, the team, isn't it? You never quite know what you who who's going to play, what roles they're going to have with Rafa bringing in the twice a weeks, which I'm sure you agree with, don't you? Well, yeah, and and I think it's it everything needs changing. You rightly picked up on the thing about McLaren wanting to go through the middle because I think he's one of these ones at the minute that's obsessed with this 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 current football coaching theory about zones and zone 14 being the dangerous zone where the magic happens, which happens to be the zone in front of the 18-yard box. And so everybody seems to be keen to be playing it all through there. Personally, I still think there's a lot of value in using width. And and I think that proved yesterday. Once we got on the ball and got it wide, we started to create problems. Yeah, it's, it, it, I think uh, the, the first half showed it perfectly encapsulated what Newcastle United have been have been this season uh, not able to you know get the teams uh, push them uh, that I think we I think we've been saying for so long that um, when it comes to uh, Sunderland Sunderland were always going to be more comfortable uh, from start from, from the start because when you've got that much confidence you've got a game plan you know what you're doing with Steve McLaren it was well, you never, you, you, you never, you never quite knew what was going to happen from 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 the start. No, no. Um, we've become genuinely Forrest Gump's box of chocolates, haven't we? You just didn't know what you were going to get. Um, and I think we need more. I mean, it's obviously Rafa's making a number of changes in all areas, and and hopefully, if he keeps you open stairs, we'll see a heck of a lot more. Um, I just keep going back to the fact I can't help but think we've done all this 10 games too late but uh, never mind we, we live in hope and all that we live in hope exactly so I'm going to bring in my next next guest uh, who's Rupert Fryer he's a football writer editor of BGT underscore England published in The Guardian The Observer Score Goal ESPN Eurosport Fox Metro Blizzard Fusion 8x8 Oh my God. I, I tell you one thing, just well, I'm, I, I'm a quite a good reader, but good evening, Rupert. How are you? I'm very well, mate. Thanks. How are you? I'm not too bad. So tell me, obviously you probably you saw the, the goals at the weekend and uh, Rupert is making his debut on Toon Talk. So tell me, we've got Neil Mitchell in Dubai on the line as well. So so tell me, what, what's been your take on Newcastle United this season? And um, I'm sure you've got lots of views on, on Rafa Benitez, but... From somebody looking in from the outside, what's been your take take on it? It's difficult, to be honest, um, looking in from the outside, because I think most of the problems are probably ones that are more visible from the inside, if you know what I mean. I think for the last few years, it's been well documented. There's been a lot of issues with the way in which the club is run from the inside, and um, that seems quite evident, because again, if you take myself back outside, I look at a squad, and I think you've got a really good group of players there. I mean, one of the it was, it was, I mean, it was slightly surprising, I think, when Rafa Benitez took that job. When you start looking at it a little bit more closely, I think, just looking at the playing stuff, you've got a big squad there, and not only have you got a lot of players, you've got a, a huge variation of types of players there. And I think that's something that would certainly interest Rafa Benitez, who, while he's not maybe a tinker man, he certainly does like to, to adopt his, his approach depending on the opposition. And he's certainly got the players to do that in Newcastle. Who have you been mostly impressed with? Because obviously a lot of the fans, when he, when he first came in, was... Do you know when Alden scoring goals for fun at home, but um, as soon as he goes away from home, he, he's been disappearing. 
Um, you know, a lot, it's it's interesting. Like a lot of media people say, "Oh, Sissoko is very very fit. He's very very fast. He's he can be a dynamo, and he's the one player you think would be able to take over the a lot of the games." But he just seems very, very limited, and he needs to have that extra touch, just to be able to, you know, go forward and um, try and make something happen. But there's been so many players at Newcastle who've let down the, the fans from since the start of the season, and the manager. Uh, get, getting to our ex-manager, uh, he he seems to have a really very good uh, reputation abroad uh, before he came to Newcastle. But obviously, he had lost to. Uh, you've been through a, a few jobs at Derby, Nottingham Forest, and being sacked. But what, what's, what's, what's your thoughts on them points? Um, certainly, Sissoko looks like a final play. He seems sort of tailor made for the Premier League, really. He's got pace, he's got power. At times, he looks utterly dominant. Um, I've only seen him a handful of times this season. I don't watch a huge amount of Premier League football, not, certainly not as much as some of my colleagues over in, here in England probably do. I don't necessarily know the Premier League. But um, I have seen Newcastle a handful of times. They, they always seem to be, be okay when I see them on television too. And um, yeah, Sissoko's certainly got everything that you'd think you would need to, to, to make a success of yourself in the Premier League. But um, perhaps just consistency and, and, and maybe a little bit of commitment. I mean, I, I'm not really sure. I really know his character. But it, but it seems that way because there were, there were times where he, he, he looked like he was going to be you know, a world beater for Newcastle and, and just seems to have sort of, you know, trailed off a little yeah, he's he's been training off. He's been training a lot. It's been the the one, the one thing I wanted to see, which hasn't happened uh, with with Sissoko, is that you would think if he's he's been so dire for Newcastle, you'd think the French national team would say right, okay, well the reports on good. Yes, he's playing week after week, but that can be the problem, can't it? You you can be you can be something great for your national team and do a job, but when you're when you're poor weekly, you're still being picked by a manager. But on the on the flip side of that, we look at Townsend, who played didn't really play anything for Tottenham, but he still got picked. Could it? It could be like a north and south way of thinking, it couldn't it? Perhaps I think Townsend's problem more so was just to do with with his mentality and the way in which he kind of conducted himself at Tottenham this season. Um, Mar- Mara Pochettino, he doesn't suffer fools gladly, and. Um, he singled Townsend out with a bit of a bad egg quite early on. After I think he had a high-profile bust at one of the coaches there, didn't he? Yeah. And um, and and uh, Pochettino just quickly decided this isn't the type of bloke I want around. And uh, yeah, he was completely ostracised, obviously, in, until he's gone to Newcastle. And and now I guess Newcastle fans, you just you're just hoping that he can he can rediscover some of that form that, that made him such a, a great made him look such a fantastic talent for, for Tottenham in recent years, and, and of course mm-hmm. burst into the England team. But um, yeah. I mean, I just I'm slightly concerned that he might become another one of those sort of high-profile former England internationals who take a step down from a bigger club to go up north, up to the northeast, and on on good wages and, and really fails to ever replicate anything like they did previously. That's that's the one thing, isn't it, Neil? Like uh, Rupert says, that when when you come to the northeast, it kind of has to be on big wages or they won't come. Well, it's, it's interesting. He's touched on uh, the Sissoko thing quite quite succinctly. That. If you look at the club under McLaren, we were actually statistically better on television than we were off television. <laughs> so if you, if, you, if you view of Newcastle United it has been mainly through television, that's why you'll see the the best side of some of those players. And so Soko frustrates us because we know what he can do. We've seen what he can do. But whether it's a mentality thing or 
whatever. He just doesn't do it consistently or often enough. And yet he seems to still be being picked, picked and picked. Townsend certainly made the right noises coming north. And let's just see how he beds in and settles in. It would be, be great to see him really turn it on over the, the closing games because he has to. At the end of the day, he has to. But what does he have to lose? He's probably got a relegation clause in the contract. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, why should he matter too much? He'll get his money at the end of the day. It's a very difficult one. And it must, and it, and it must be, we must be a frustrating club from the outside looking in to look at. Because, again, Rupert, you've said quite clearly, you know, you look at the squad and you think, well, hang on, there's better players than that than second bottom. And, and you're right, there is. So imagine dealing with that week in, week out watching them underperform and, 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 and just generally not deliver the goods. And, and it's been such a long, hard season for, for that. Yeah, Robert, it's, 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 it's very it's telling, isn't it? Like, I think when you, when you found out when McLaren had been sacked, be, being, a, being the type of guy you are, you, you, like, you know, you're always writing things down. Uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to managers, were you surprised that, we, first of all, we went for Benitez... And second, all we got him. Yeah, I certainly was. <laughs> um, I certainly was. I wasn't too surprised that the rapper had chosen to come back to England. No. Um, I mean, if you try and break it down a little bit, then perhaps it's not as, as surprising as, as it seemed on first glance. I mean, it's well documented that, that he's made his home in England, that his family here, that he never really settled in anywhere else. He went, he went off to Italy, he went to Milan. I think he lived in a hotel the whole time he was there, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? um, I think his two daughters stayed, stayed back in, in the world with his, with his, with his wife. And so he's always going to return, come back to the Premier League. And then, I mean, if you look up and down the Premier League, I mean, where is it he could really go? And um, I think, again, from the outside looking in, I think Newcastle, it, look, it has all the ingredients to be a fantastic club. I mean, I know it's a little bit of a cliche, but the support up there is unrivaled. I mean, I was listening to, to Peter Beardsley, who did a fantastic interview on the Graham Hunter podcast this week. And he was just talking a little bit about the club. And, and I mean, the, the, a club of that size and with that support and, and with such a, huge general attendance every week regardless of everything that's been happening there I mean it's, certainly you can see why, why somebody would look at that club and think it's a club of future potential and I mean Raph has apparently put so I read the Raph has put in a certain number of clauses to try and sort of gain more power on, on some of the day to day running things at the club um, whether he'll be able to wrestle those off, off Ashley and co who knows but, um, but I, I, can, I can certainly see why the club would appeal to somebody Has, has Graham Carr obviously in the the, the area you deal with, but have, has Grim Carr on the on the circuit, the football circuit, got a very good reputation as being somebody that does manage to spot a good player, or or does he? Because obviously he was he was when there was um, Alan Pardew and him were had a falling out over transfers. He was being linked with Tottenham. Has he got a good reputation out there amongst people? Say, yeah, he's a good he's a good spotter of players in Europe. Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you hear his name banded around quite a bit, and there's been quite a few success stories in Newcastle. When, if you look at the way, obviously, they took this a certain direction, they were going to go in with transfers by first bringing in lots and lots of players from France, you know, still are, and more recently from from the Netherlands. And I think it seems like a like a, a sensible ploy, really, that you try and take players from lesser leagues that you think, if anything, can probably be a little bit better than, than what we're hoping they'll be for us, if you know what I mean. So you can look, you can look for, uh, more longer term and, and think that, you know, not only can these players hopefully bed in here at Newcastle, but we're surrounded by lots of people who speak their own language, lots of people who have come from the same division. France and, and French football and, and Dutch football are, are both have certain 
certain physical similarities to the Premier League. They're both, you know, quite high tempo physical leagues, and so it seems like a sensible ploy to take. And again, if if you you look, you look at that team on paper now, I think you've got a number of a number of really good players who have come in from those leagues. So so certainly he does does have a sort of a bit of a reputation, and um, yeah, it's just everyone just is constantly trying to break down this mystery of, of why things keep going wrong at Newcastle. What's been your uh, take when it comes to dealing with players? Uh, obviously, getting them to talk and to to get their trust. Um, it, it, obviously, at Newcastle, there's a difference now. You you're not you don't you don't really get any interviews with players. It's always through media partners. Has has that changed and the way that you do any work? Because um, like I couldn't imagine you you could uh, ring up uh, Newcastle. Just well, I'm, I'm sure in future pieces you might. You may try and get Andros Townsend, but uh, when you when you're calling it, is is there a, an automatic uh, pushback, or you f- do you find it it's easier over the years that you you've had you've had issues, or um, is it getting harder and harder? It differs. I think it differs from from club to club and from from country to country. Um, I've seen changes. For example, I've been working covering the, the Brazil Global Tour, which is Brazil's mm-hmm. series of friendly matches that they play all around the world. And um, so I've been I've been travelling around the world, following them a lot for the last couple of years, and I've certainly seen huge changes there. I mean, if you go back to prior to the World Cup, the, the squad and the whole feeling around the squad and the whole way in which the Brazil team was run was completely different to how it is now. I mean, again, now going back to what you just alluded to, now the Brazil players aren't really doing exclusive interviews. Um, it just really? it doesn't really happen. Again, if they're not on international duty, then you, again you you can get them through the clubs, or, or yeah, you, you might do one with a media partner, but. During international week, it just doesn't happen anymore. The, the way that this, the way that Dunga and, and, and his coaching staff manage it is by just uh, they usually just set up a room in a hotel and they'll send in four players and they'll just go around the room and you know you'll take it in turn. And if you go back to to again, look to Luis Felipe Scolari prior to the World Cup, he just had a completely different approach with him. I remember if I wanted to speak to somebody, I'd just I'd usually go and ask the press officer as one would. And he would invariably just say, "Ask the player if he wants to do it, then fine." You know, mm-hmm. it was almost sort of, "Don't bother me with this. Just go speak to them if that's what <laughs> they want to do. Then great, you're away." And so that's kind of how it worked. And so yeah, it certainly does differ from 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 team to team and from club to club and and from national team to national team. Obviously, obviously, Neil's based in Dubai, and um, it's, it seems to be that league um, seems to have a uh, it get it seems to be getting bigger and bigger um, with with the with the World Cup going there, um, do, you, do you think it's, it, it will get bigger, or because of the the heat and the way, the way things are there, uh, it, it it's a tough nut to crack? Possibly. Um, I think they're also. I mean, I do take a, a certain um, amount of interest in, in in the Middle East because I predominantly cover South American football mm. over here, and, and and lots of South American players will take the bait and, and go and get big money big money in the Middle East. Um, whether it has any long-term rivalry to, to some of the elite leagues, I, I, I doubt. Um, I think more so, obviously, we, we probably have to look to China for that right now. Um, what's happened, there's a, a football boom happening there. I mean, mm. I think there's some, some political reasons behind that, and I'm not really sure exactly whether it will be sustained or not. But, I mean, Brazil, just for example, Brazil just arrived in... Um, lots of the players just arrived at the training complex in Rio today ahead of, um, ahead of the qualifiers against Uruguay and Paraguay this month and I was just um, just going over the press conferences just now and one of the players, Renato Augusto, was one of many, many high profile Brazilians who, who who went to China in January. I mean the Brazilian league went in saw their, their team absolutely ripped apart 
uh, as many as six or seven of their of their first team all left. Most of them went to China. And Renato Augusto was saying that the, the quality of, of football in China is much higher than he expected. And uh, um, excuse me, and uh, um, <laughs> that, he, that he thinks it's going to continue to grow. That the investment keeps coming. That better players keep going there. And he thinks right. He was, he was saying right now, if you look, there's only himself and, and the defender Gilles who have come over from China he said he thinks it's going to become the norm soon and he wouldn't be surprised if, if in a year or so you'll see as many five or six Brazilian players all coming over from China for national duty yeah what do you think Neil do you think, do you think the market in Dubai is going to get bigger and the other question I've got for you Neil are, uh, mm. as, as Rupert says the, the people seem to be going to China um, there's not that many I'll get back to Rupert in a minute but are there any Brazilian players going to Dubai? Yeah, sure. Yes, there's plenty in the in the Gulf League over here. They they they, they, they come for the money. Um, the play, the Gulf League teams here want uh, top class attacking players. Um, it's why you get bonkers scores over here sometimes because what they want is they want they want attackers. They're not interested in buying defenders, and they're very keen to bring young and good South American talent over. It's not all people who are over the hill. Um, the, the Gulf League is about to go a little, undergo a little bit of a transformation because they're now looking at how to engage with the expat population and try to improve attendances. Because like with many sporting events here in, 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 in the Middle East, attendances are actually quite poor. Right. But also, as I've found, trying to get access to games it's not easy always to get tickets. I used to live around the corner from Emirates Club's ground in Rasahema. And, and I was almost viewed as the crazy white guy who wants tickets for the football, you know. Um, what, what is this? Why do you want to come here? You know, well, because I want to come and see the match and I live around the corner and this could be my team. And there's no connect. There's a real disconnect in that respect and they're trying to address that. In terms of the powerhouse in Asia, it's definitely China. And, it, and it, it, if you look in the, the most recent Asian Champions League um, sort of competitions, uh, if you remember, I was at the semi-final of last year's with Al Ahli and, and, and Al Hilal, and Al Ahli went on and lost to uh, Guangzhou Everardi of China in the final. And, and the last few competitions have all been dominated by the big clubs from the UAE and the Chinese clubs, and they seem to be the two that are going to go head-to-head. And the way things are at the minute, the money and the power is all in China. Now, as Rupert quite rightly says, how long that lasts, who knows? Um, the way the oil money's drying up a little bit here, that's going to put the brakes on football here in the Middle East a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I say a little bit because you've got to remember, here in Dubai, only 5% of the economy is oil now. So the, the oil price doesn't affect Dubai the way it does, say, Saudi. And the clubs in Saudi are certainly going to be hurt by the oil price fiasco at the moment. So um, it, it's a curious time because what China seems to be doing seems to be a little bit out of the blue. They're suddenly splashing ridiculous amounts of cash. And, and again, as Rupert knows, and because that's his ballpark, they're raiding South America like uh, they're cherry picking and, and, and creating pet teams. But they're going to become big teams and powerhouse teams in, in Asia. They're going to dominate the Asian competitions if... if, if if the Asian football conference isn't careful. It, it's interesting, isn't it, Rupert, because um, when it comes to players, uh, like uh, percentage-wise, how many players are from Brazil are going to the Middle East? Do you have to know? I couldn't tell you in terms of percentages, but 
Brazil exports more football, exports more footballers than any other nation in the world, and mm. so they'll pop up all over the place. And so there will be a number of high-profile mm. profile um, players, such as we were just mentioned there, um, Alakli from the Dubai club, and they've got Everton Hubedo, who up until he joined them, and in fact he did play the Copa America immediately after that transfer, but he was a regular in Brazil, and he had been named the best player in the Brazilian league for the past the previous two seasons when he when he had Cruzeiro to 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 back to back league championships and. Again, he had big, apparently had big money offers from from other clubs all around Europe, but but he chose to take the bait and, and, and take the big money on offer over there in Dubai. What's your thoughts on on the Chinese league? Because obviously um, you don't see a lot of Brazilians coming to Newcastle lately. I must admit, you, you would think if they're going to try and hit different markets, especially the way that our owner is, you would think that Brazil. I'm not going to say a bit more cheaper, but you would think they would they would you know. To to bring it um, to to try and get as much as many markets as possible, but you never hear of a Brazilian player that I can't remember. The last one, the only player we've got in Newcastle's team at the moment is a uh, unfit and uh, past his sell by did Colaccini. Um, with regards to Colaccini, what's been your um, take on him? Obviously, he's he's past his sell by in Newcastle. He's somehow getting into the team, which I don't even know why, but. What's been your take on him and, and the way that uh, he's been, I, I suppose, treated over here as well? Well, again, I mean, like you said, he well, you know, 34 or so. So um, mm-hmm. he's certainly at the tail end of his career. Um, to be honest, I think, again, from the outside looking in, I think he's, he's been a good servant to Newcastle. I don't think he ever quite reached the heights that perhaps Argentinian football expected of him. Mm-hmm. When he first broke through as a teenager with, with Boca and then made a big money move to, well, a big move to AC Milan and I didn't really work out as far as I remember. I think he had a series of loan spells after that. And I think he bought him from Deportivo, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so perhaps he, and he was an Olympic gold medalist from Argentina. And so they did have high hopes for him. And I think it's, it's probably fair to say that he's perhaps never quite reached those. But more than anything with Colachino, I'm kind of just a little bit surprised he's still there, um, <laughs> to, be, to be honest. And, and, and that's not necessarily a, a slight on... It's like on his ageing legs, which, which certainly are ageing, his turn circumference seems to be coming ever, ever, ever wider. But, um, but also just the fact that, that most players at his age now usually have headed home by now. Um, mm. Argentinian football in particular um, is, I mean, the, the finances there are dwarfed by what's even what's on offer even in Brazil, let alone anywhere else around the world. And so Argentina are left with, with what we call sort of the, the talent donut, where basically anyone who's good leaves when they're really young and you don't get them back until they're really old so you just have a big gaping hole of, of, of talent in the middle and um and Colagini I, I imagine would have come home by now not least because he's a, a supporter of San Lorenzo um uh, one of the, the traditional big five clubs in Argentina and and they're in the process of, of trying to buy back their stadium which which was which was put well let's be honest it was pretty much just stolen from them by by the ministry <laughs> Um, really? pretty much what happened yeah and so they're in the process now of, of, of raising the capital to buy that back from a French supermarket chain who, who bought the land at a, a fraction of the price it should have sold for and so they're trying to go home and, and I think Colaccini certainly w- w- would like to be involved in that um, as far as I'm aware I think he has made at least one donation to the fund to, to a fundraising drive um, so I, I imagine that Colaccini would have headed home by now to, to try and be a part, part of that, that great homecoming of San Lorenzo I hope we'll it's, it sounds like uh, Aguero's on his way back. I'm not sure it's Argentina. I think it is actually, but he, he's yeah. already said the, two th- the 2017 season is going to be his last season yeah. um, in Man City, which is quite surprising, isn't it? That he's still a young lad. Again, 
Perhaps so, but, but not necessarily for, for followers of Argentinian football and South American football as a whole. But particularly in Argentina, there's a great tradition of the homecoming now. Um, mm. There's been some huge famous things. I mean, just well, last year we had Carlos Tevez return. I mean, he left Italy as, as possibly the best. He was possibly the best striker in Serie A. I think he was top goal scorer when, when Juventus won, that, won the championship there. And uh, he said, thanks, but you know, I've had enough. I'm going home now. And uh, he's certainly not earning, earning the money he was at Juventus. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so players, <clears throat> players do return, and, and Cunaguero has made no secret of his desire to return to Independiente. He left very, very, very early, you must remember. I'm pretty sure he agreed to uh, transfer to Atletico Madrid when he was 17. He must have left when he was 18, because they're not allowed to leave, leave prior to that. But um, <clears throat> so, he, so he left that club very early, and, um, and that's a club now. I mean, Independiente is the most successful club in the history of South America's Champions League, the Copa Libertadores, but it's been a long time since they won one now. And um, Cunaguero would absolutely love to go back. He, he again, I mean, they, they funded their new stadium pretty much through his transfer. He's another one who's reported to have made personal donations back to the club to, ha- to help out with things there. And, um, and so, yeah, it, it doesn't really come as any great surprise to Argentinians whenever they read that, that Cunaguero is saying once again that he wants to attend Independiente. He made his debut there when he was 15, and like I said, he, made, he left very early. So um, that's, that's again, it's something that, that while a lot of perhaps European followers, followers of European football will find is, is a big surprise, it, it's not really hugely surprising for us. Is is any player in 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 the landscape when it comes to being a bargain that's coming through that Newcastle should be looking at, uh, especially some may possibly a striker or a winger because we haven't had much luck with with Thavin and Cabela leave. Um, is there any player that Newcastle should be looking at, especially if the market over, um, you know, when you, every time you hear of Brazilian players, it always seems to be, okay, there's a third party issue there uh, for them to come, when they come abroad, especially with Mr. Coachin, who seems to specialise in third party players. Is, is that still going in Brazil, third party? Yeah, I mean, it's, Supposedly outlawed by by FIFA, or will be very soon. But um, yep, third party ownership is is still a thing. But it's not a huge stumbling block anymore. I think a couple of seasons ago, maybe I was sat with um, someone who works well up at the Premier League, and I was speaking to him a little bit about it. And uh, he said it's something they've they've come to terms with now. They've, they've got a, a grip on, they've got a firm handle on. They know how, exactly how to to go about negotiating these these third party transactions. So that's not a huge problem. I think the bigger problem really is the work permit situation. Is that while I mean a lot of times a lot of Argentinians can can find an Italian ancestor if they really need to, to, to get a second passport, but um but that's largely the problem I think it's the work permit situation we have here it's so much easier for players from South America to go to other countries in Europe first, and it's probably better for their development too I mean there aren't many players who have come from South America straight to the Premier League and, and done exceptionally well, I mean if you look at recent example I mean Oscar at Chelsea is has got to be a, a, a huge exception to the rule. But then again, he he, um, he he looked from a young age as if he had the sort of attributes that, that would fit in well with, with Premier League football. But but lots lots have tried and failed. Diego Forlan would be one. I mean, he went on and had a, had a sensational career, mm-hmm. but things didn't quite work out at Manchester United. I think it was just a step too far. I think it's a huge culture shock. Um, and by that, I mean the culture on the pitch. It, it's, it's very different here. Mm. Yeah, I think nearly going to like this bit, but... Um, Rupert's got some um, things that have happened to him while he's been over uh, in Boca in uh, Buenos Aires. Tell me about this. Tell me about this dance-off with Dani Alves. This should be fun, this bit. Because I can't. Yes. We all know he's. We all know he's crazy with the backs of hammers. This lad. But um, plus, he's been linked with coming to England as well too, right? 
Oh, he has, but he, he recently renewed his, his deal at Barcelona. I can't necessarily see him to come into the Premier League anytime soon. But yeah, Danny Alves is a great character, always a life and soul of a party. And um, particular incident that you're referring to was was more fun, I think, for the rest of the squad rather than it was for me. Um, I felt dismally. There was huge, huge chuckles all around, but I would add that they were most certainly at my expense. They, they certainly weren't laughing with me. But um, again, again, harking back to what I said previously, the Brazil squad was just, I just had a completely different feel under Scolari. Mm-hmm. And, and this, this incident took place when we were, um, I, I joined, joined the team to fly back from, from a friendly in South Africa, a friendly against South Africa in Johannesburg. And um, it was a very jovial atmosphere on the plane. Everybody was having fun. And, and Neymar and Danny Alves were the sort of self-appointed DJs and had their little boombox going. And I just, just moseyed on off to the bathroom, really, trying not to disturb anyone too much, saying hello and, and saying hello and trading a few pleasantries, but trying not to disturb their party too much. But, uh, yeah, Danny Alves collared me on the way back with Kanye West's power bla- blaring out of his boombox and, uh, yeah, made it quite clear that, that he expected a dance. I, again, it didn't, it didn't get past the first round. You're bollock naked, is that right? Oh no, I, I certainly wasn't. Um, if that's something, that, if if that's a, a, another, that's an entirely separate story that you might be referring to. Uh, which I think I mentioned on Twitter not long ago. That was entirely different. Although that was also in Johannesburg, but that was um, that was uh, yeah. Again, it was ahead of the Brazil friendly, and, and I'd gone up to the gym. Uh, I'd gone up to use the gym. And um, one of the chiefs of security was on the door, actually, of the gym as I went up, and I'd flown over with him, so we just had a little chat and caught up, because obviously we had just met. And I went into the gym and didn't really think anything of it, but there was no one else in the gym, so again, I thought, you know, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, or whatever, <laughs> in Johannesburg, people probably aren't at the gym. So I carried on, and, and next thing I know, I've got my earphones in, I'm, I'm concentrating on, on, on my rowing, or whatever it was that I was doing, I looked over and... And young Os- a young Oscar was on the floor next to me doing sit-ups. And I looked around and I'd realised that the entire Brazil squad had just wandered into the, into the, the gym. And so, yeah, it, could you, I quickly realised that the reason that security guard was, was on the door is that they were blocking off the gym for the team now. But um, So that was quite a surreal moment to see sort of five or six millionaire Brazilian footballers all doing sit-ups on the floor because <laughs> I was on one of the machines, one of the very limited machines. But um, but without Sky had a wonderful fitness coach, um, Paxal, Paxal, I think he was called, um, lovely guy, and uh, he refused to let me leave. He said, no, 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 you were here before us. Finish your workout first. So I gave it another five minutes. I went off, and he, he quickly came over and told me, no, 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 you haven't done anywhere near enough work. Get back on the rowing machine. So so he was very lovely about it. But when I eventually did make my exit, again, I had just gone off the changing rooms, and, and the guys had just started their workout, so I, I knew they weren't, no one was around. So I was just getting getting un, un, undressed and, and looked over to see two former World Cup winners wandering, well, World Cup winning coaches, in Carlos Alberto Pereira and, and Luis Felipe Scolari, and the assistant Mortoza, too, who's quite an intimidating character. And uh, they just wandered in, and it was at that moment that I, I looked down and realised I was in fact stark bollock naked, as you put it. <laughs> but, but they were very, they were very great. And I gave me a quick hola to the thing, hey, how are you? Thing, but uh, and I, I'm also um, happy to to admit that I didn't once drop below eye level. Um, but then again, I guess they're kind of used to being in rooms of naked men with their careers. <laughs> well, you see, that's what when, when you send me information, I always put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on, Rupert. It's been an absolute pleasure having sharing all your stories and all your take on Newcastle United and all over the world, especially Brazil. But thanks so much for coming on. It's been a, been a real pleasure. Thanks very much. Hey, not at all. It's great. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Guys. Thanks, Rupert. And plus, yeah, Rupert, it's going to be it's going to be recorded out, so 
you'll be you'll be seeing a lot of tweets for people to listen back to your first um, taste on Toon Talk. Okay. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rupert. Cheers, Cheers mate. Bye. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye, then. Great to have Rupert on, eh? I know. You know what it is with links with Brazil and Newcastle United? We've seen the best and the worst in Brazil, haven't we? We've had Mirandina, and then we've had Fumaca. You know, you go from go from world-class striker to um, probably the only guy on the Copa Cabana beach who couldn't trap a bag of cement. You know, yeah. it's amazing, really. Um, but fabulous, and... Look, truly global game. Here we are talking about Newcastle United. Mm. I'm sat in the Middle East. Mm. He's mainly based out of South America. Mm. And everybody knows the name. Everybody recognises the shirt. Wherever you go around the world, ask the expats anywhere. Mm. And, and the old adage, wherever you're going, you're sure to meet the Jody. It's very true. Mm. We get all over the place. We're nat- natural explorers, natural wanderers. And, uh, and we're... We, we take that infectious passion for the Castle United worldwide. The, the, the place last night was rammed, rammed for that match. And everybody, it, it, it's hard to get groups of Geordies together sometimes. It's like herding cats. I say that over and over again. But last night, everybody right, right, rose to the call, and it was brilliant. There was a fine atmosphere last night. And it's the same worldwide, you know, well, well, it, wherever you can, that's where we'll be. Uh, and it, 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 and anybody that says we're not a big club, well, you know, have a look around the world. Who recognises your club shirt wherever you go? Yeah, it was interesting, and, wasn't it? Uh, um, even yeah. you can, even um, obviously the next caller on the show is going to be Chris Parry. If I can uh, get him all uh, connected in there, I'm having a bit of, bit of technical issues as ever trying to get him on, but um, but um, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one, but. Uh, it was interesting that they, they, they Newcastle went to um, great lengths to uh, uh, mention them, mention the the, the the American influence with the club, and a couple of people came over. I think from mm. Toon Army um, in Dallas, I believe. I'm not sure. I think my Dunas. Oh, so it is. You know, that's the thing. Maybe they're they're starting to look at different ways to um, bring bring in bring in help the fan base and. Uh, you know, get us, you know, the biggest length of the area we can to get Newcastle United fans involved. And I think I'm able to get uh, Chris Parry on the show now. Good evening, Chris. How are you? Hello? Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm doing just fine, guys. I'm doing better than I would have been if things, uh, if Mitrovic had not found the back of the net yesterday. Yeah, it was a, what was your take on the, obviously, the, the team that was picked and uh, the, way, the way we went about things? Um, obviously, I'm, I'm sure you're happy to have Benitez in there now, but um, but obviously, well, give me your take, and then we'll we'll talk about the tactics. But what was your take when you when you saw um, when you saw the team that we that we picked? Well, it was a very attacking team, but unfortunately, with callback, you know, at fullback, you knew that Barini was just going to go at him and go at him and go at him. That's what he does. It's uh, Newcastle's lack of buying fullbacks is really coming back to haunt them now when they need it most. But, uh, guys, I'll tell you what, I'm not a big fan of people running onto the pitch, but that guy, after he scored, after Mitrovic scored the goal, and then Mitrovic picks him up and hugs him, and then the whole team, he's in a massive hug, I think, with the entire Newcastle team. I mean, that guy could go to jail, but he's going to have a memory to last him a lifetime. <laughs> if, there's ever, if there's ever an advertisement to go run on the pitch... That was it. I mean, that was fantastic. Uh, that was one of the coolest scenes I've seen at St. James 
since uh, Jonas's uh, goal last mm-hmm. year uh, in the final game of the season. It was just uh, it was just fantastic. It was it was great. Now that's the good part. The bad part is it was two points dropped, mm-hmm. and you can't have two points dropped. Not when you need every single point you can get to get out of this mess. Uh, every time Newcastle drops a, drops points from this point forward. Those are points that they now have to get against the likes of Man City. They have to get against Liverpool on on the road. They're going to have to get against Southampton on the road. And these are going to be tough fixtures going forward. So they have to win. They've got to win every single home game and then find a way to do something on the road. And that's kind of unfortunate. That's the unfortunateness of the situation once you look at the actual table standings after after the match. But it was still a great fight back by the guys. What do you think, Neil? Well, I think Chris is right. I mean, I've, I've, I've had a little blither on Dubai Eye here tonight. The lads had, had me on to talk about the game and what have you. And, and, and the, the, the point I made there, it's a very simple one. We've got a team that's won about one in five, and we're now expecting them to win one in two. And that's the situation we put ourselves in. And it's it, it, it's it's difficult to see that happen. It's difficult to quantify how that's going to happen. You see glimpses and glimmers of hope. In, in the improvement, and I know the Chronicles run a thing today saying statistically we certainly have improved in Benitez so far in two games, um, but it still hasn't generated the points, which is very, very frustrating. If I want to try and look at the upsides, um, the game should have been dead and buried. Sutherland had, should have had with dead and buried just after half-time, and they didn't. Um, and they couldn't take that, that chance, and that shows that their, their fallibilities as well... Um, the, the knife in the heart was Norwich's win. That's the thing that's put with looking upwards, thinking, oh my gosh, here we go. Are we going to need to find something against Liverpool, Man City, what have you? Um, and I keep coming back to the point that the, the guys on the radio tonight over here made to me, yeah, but look at what Leicester did last year, and they were in a similar position, dead and buried, and then went on a run. It is possible. Um, and we try and hold on to that hope. We certainly are seeing signs that we were better. That second half... Um, certainly, I, I, still, I still say if we would have Mitrovic on that pitch, we might have nicked it in the very end. But um, that's that's possibly me just kite flying. I don't know, but um, we, we certainly look like we've got a, a few more ideas and a few more tricks up our sleeve. That Benitez has is, is, is got a better idea what to do with some of these square pegs that have got to fit into their own holes. I thought I thought Sobo looked quite comfortable as a left fullback. <laughs> um, was quite bizarre, uh, but it actually called out for a bigger stature player. They were they were popping the ball over the top of Colback all day long, and he wasn't coping with it at all. And to be fair to Sissoko, he did his job. Mm. So you know, um, let's see. But it, it, it does it puts pressure on what to get points elsewhere. Where his three points suddenly makes makes the Man City and the Liverpool games, for example, free goals and anything we'll get from them is a bonus. Now we're looking at them thinking we really need something from them. And that's hard. Well, guys, I'm about, to, I'm about to head into the into the movie theater here. It's the afternoon. But I wanted to leave you guys with one thing. I thought yeah. that as soon as Cissé came on, I thought Newcastle improved immensely. I mean, it just they, things opened up because as good as Perez is, and Perez is good, he just doesn't seem to be the answer next to Mitrovic. He just doesn't. Whereas Cissé, Cissé seems like he creates space. I mean, that's why Mitro was wide open for that header because Cissé was on the near post. Mm. The guys were, you know, covering him. So that's why, and that way Mitro could run around on the back post. 
it's things like that, I think, that are going to go forward. It was great to see DeYoung on the field. It was great to see – I just think the one thing I like about Benitez thus far is he does seem to have such a pulse of the match with his substitutions, yeah. whereas McLaren's and, 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 and Carver's and Pardue before him, they just seem to make the worst substitutions. Now, granted, we're you know we're not managers. We we're, you know, we're fans and we watch mm-hmm. the game, but we keep, we're not all stupid. We're watching the game too. We don't understand why these some of these stubs are made. Whereas Benitez, I mean, every single box is checked. I see someone getting warmed up to come on. I'm like, my gosh, that is exactly who I would have brought on too. You know, mm-hmm. to to affect the game this way. And uh, he just seems to he just seems to know exactly when to bring guys on and. And, guys, uh, I'll leave you with this. I, I think it's going to be an exciting run-in, I, I, but I do think that Newcastle is going to have to get results on the road at, against the likes of Southampton and Liverpool. I really do. I think that they need to do a Leicester and not even worry about the other opponent. Just score goals, win games, and let's, let's, you know, let's, let's find a way to stay up. Exactly. Well, thanks, thanks for coming. I know you're going to the picture. What movie are you going to watch? I'm going to go see this Allegiant play. This, uh, this, this Divergent, uh, uh, the, the third movie. It's a movie that my wife is like, I'm not going to see it with you. So I'm like, all right, I'll go by myself. <laughs> You're going to love John, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I'll see you later. <laughs> see you, mate. Take care. Right. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> he always does his own thing, no matter what, does Chris. <laughs> well, <Bye>. thanks. <laughs> you really go, cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a one-off, I think. Well, bringing our next guest, if I, if if you still got a voice after yesterday, because if you look on Twitter and other forms of media, it looks like uh, Lee Johnson and um, uh, Neil Mitchell uh, were in the same place, getting hammered, and after watching a one-one draw. Good evening, Lee. How are you? I am alright. absolutely killed <laughs> You would think I'd be the. You think I'd be. You think you think I'd be in the war yesterday based on the state of me. You, you would think based on the state of me body, me legs, and all that after we equalised. Jesus Christ, I'm covered in bruises. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, the thing is, obviously, you, you were drinking rubbish beer because in your pub. What were you drinking? Got all uh, sorts, but obviously I had me mate out from Belgium, so obviously uh, every yeah, single pint, that, yeah. every 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 kind of pint he had, he was like, "What's this?" Dishwater. What's this dishwater? <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as, long as, it, as long as it did the job, and it sounds like it did. Uh, oh, it definitely did the job. I fell asleep last night on the couch, and he took a picture as the git. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously now it, it's the day after. So mm. tell me, what was your thoughts when you saw the team? And uh, uh, of, tell me what you thought in the first half, especially. I thought he picked uh, out of the team he had to pick. I thought he picked the right team. I had no problem with the team. Um, uh, first half, uh, we're often puffed. Um, some of them were probably the better side, had the better chances. Um, they get what? What? They get that really good chance just just on half time. It's sloppy by us, and unfortunately, it fell to the wrong man who you kind of put it in the bottom corner and it, it, it deflated. It deflated the crowd a bit. Well, it did deflate the crowd, even though the crowd tried to steal the team. Um, but then, I think if Sunderland had continued to try and go for the kill and look to get the second goal, instead of retreating 20 yards further back to hold on to what they got, they probably wouldn't, would have won the game maybe quite comfortably, but they kind of played into our hands a bit, even though I couldn't see an equaliser coming. 
Um, we'll we'll definitely want confidence. Um, he's got a job on in the next two weeks to try and get them, you know, up and things like that. I, I it might be good for us because we need to get certain players up to speed again, mm-hmm. fitness-wise and things like that. Um, but I was re- I was relieved more than anything to get a point out of it because we're still we're still in it fighting and mm-hmm. but it's looking less and less likely that we might stay up and. I'm just trying to get my head around. Well, if we are going to go down this season, I hope we take them lot with us. Like, I didn't want them to be staying in the. I didn't want them lot to be staying in the Premier League and us going into the Championship. Like, I didn't want that whatsoever. Yeah, it was. I think that the. You know, half of me thinks well. Would it be good if it went down with Sunderland? Uh, I'm sure that uh, Neil doesn't agree, do you, Neil? What. Sorry. With the, with both going down, uh, uh, you know the, the the only I know we talked about this earlier, but um, if both go down, I really do think he would. I think Ashley would dis, would decide to sell, no matter what he's been bleating on today I, about Newcastle United. But we'll get that with Lee in a minute. But um, um, I don't it's, know. It's, it's, it's never a good thing, is it? Both go down, but it could be if, if we get the ultimate. No. It, it isn't, but at the end of the Go ahead. I'd certainly Oh, God, I'm talking now. He is with Tarkin now. I'm still drunk off yesterday. <laughs> go, go ahead, Lee. We'll get to Neil. Um, Neil. Like I've just said, I, 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 if, if, if we're going to go down, I want to take them with us, kicking and screaming like I'm not having them in the Premier League and we're not in the Premier League. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think that for for the, way, the, the, the only good thing that's come out of the, the change is that when you look at McLaren and you look at Benitez to me Benitez and like it's almost like if you if you put a finger on his collar he would burn up because he wants to win that badly with well, we got, McLaren we you would got, never think that well we wouldn't have got that result two weeks ago we wouldn't have got that result coming back from 1-0 down because when we won, when we went 1-0 down against most sides we were kind of dead like I said, the fans the fans were pretty good yesterday. They kind of mm. stayed with the team, even though when Defoe's, Defoe's goal kind of deflated the place a little bit. But in general, the fans did actually stay with the team. I stood up for the whole 90 minutes. I didn't sit down once. And then I was just joining in and joining in, just thinking, please, please take a chance. Mm. And then obviously Mitrovic scores. And I have to say, I, I've, missed, I've missed scoring against them because we haven't scored against them a lot lately and uh, the scenes were absolutely violent when it went in like that. Oh, I did not. There was a guy apologising. It was after it scene. I tried to catch you, son. I tried to catch you. I said, sorry, mate. I didn't mind. I didn't mind. Not a problem. I was just, I was just relieved and there was no... I've been hearing, reading stuff, banging on, reading the Mackhams, banging on the table. Your castle fans celebrating the draw. There's no one your castle fans out there celebrating the draw because when the, when the whistle went, there was polite, polite yeah, applause, if anything. That, yeah. No one was celebrating. No one mm. was cheering. There was no. It was just polite applause. If that was that, and I was just emotionally drained. I was just cuddling me mate, thinking, "Thank God we bloody scored for you this time." Because the last time I brought them over, the hunters three now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got one thing to, to add, like Neil and Lee. It's interesting. The club are looking to ban this. Um, Kevin, Kevin's just updated me on that, but. Um, it, it looks like the club are promoting the goal, the reaction of Mitrovic and the fan, mm-hmm. and they're now taking um, 
taken uh, it does taken action against that fan mm -hmm. to ban him from the ground. Complete mm -hmm. again, as ever with Newcastle United, complete hip hypocrisy. But don't don't think they've got a choice, Andrew. No. Yeah, possibly. No, I, I think I think I think it's the law. Not a son, not <laughs> and that's that's sad. Hmm. Not a Sunderland that's not new because they invade the pitch every time they yeah, score. No, that's true. And the yeah. stewards just and the stewards just help them back to the <laughs> What we impressed we impressed with um obviously I I, I use the word uh, fluffer when it comes to Perez but uh, I think um I can't remember who mentioned um the fact that uh, to, I think it was Chris um that when it comes to Perez and then you saw CC come on there was definitely more um you know more there seemed to be more up top um and it, that's why Mitrovic got his got that goal because uh, CC being being quite a big lad as well he took players away from him so do you think that could be something they they need to visit especially with um CC uh, not uh, going on national duty he should be uh, he should he should be brought back in yes Yes, 100%. Um, Perez has struggled for a long time, really been poor, actually. Yeah, I don't think he's had a good game since he come, come on against Tottenham mm. when he scored the winner. I, I mm. actually don't think he's had a good game since then. He's, he's been really poor. There's a few of the lads in the team, which you know yourself, you could drop. Um, I'm not even going to see a one person's name, because every time I see his name, I just get angry. Um, <laughs> but, but Is I, that one you left back you're talking about, Lee? That's <laughs> aye, the new left back. We love the left back, we love the left back. <laughs> Um, but the young, the young, come on and well and did well as well, mm. Andrew. I just think yeah. he brings an air of calm. It doesn't. We don't. It's not about um, picking up points now. Newcastle have to actually go for the jugular in games and go and try and win football matches. We have to go to, we have to go to Norwich and we have to go to Southampton the next two games and go and try and win the football match. We have to try and get goals. So if you've got the likes of Papa Cici and maybe Mitrovic in the side, Cici can act on Mitrovic's flicks, Mitrovic's power, maybe get De Jong in behind to try and link it all together. Because at the end of the day, I'm running out of things to do. I'm running out of ideas in my head. Mm. And I'm thinking, and I'm just thinking Benitez will, will try and try and put something together within the next two mm. weeks, which is good. I think this international break might come at a good time for us because he's got two weeks now to try and work with the players as much as he can to try and get something in place, try and get some confidence scored, because at the end of the day, that goal that Mitrovic has scored might give us some momentum. We don't really know yet. We're going to see it when we go to Norwich, but unfortunately, if we go to Norwich and lose, I, I think I'll be um, looking forward to taking George to Championship football next season, because I, I, I just can't see where we're going to get four wins from, and that's the big problem. Mm. Well, do, you think do you think you'll go for it? Uh, obviously, this is the problem with international break, isn't it? We, we, we want to see us play. What do you think, Neil? Because... People are saying four four wins, but it's the same for it's the same for um, uh, you know Norwich and the same for Sunderland. Well, yeah. the equation is a bit more simple. We have to win more than Sunderland and Norwich do. Yeah. At the end of the day, and then the thing we have to be wary of is what goal difference. I could see us going down on goal difference. Because that's that's got was screwed by an extra point, but you know if Sunderland and Norwich would only win one more game each, we've only got to win two games. That's the equation. It, it is this strange little mini league that could change. It, it it's going to change week on week 
because of that Norwich win at the weekend. And and, and I think you're going to see it's going to go down to the wire. Um, and I, 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 my greatest fear is being relegated on bloody goal difference. Mm. I think no, the no. thing is, Lee, are you, have you been su- surprised with the fact that um, obviously he's preferring Perez for now, but the situation with Dumbia is completely... I don't understand it. He plays against Leicester, comes up for five minutes, and then completely nutly bombed out. I, 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 I didn't get that one. It's mental, really. Um, I thought he looked all right when he came on against Stoke. Mm. He had a bit of pace in the team. Yeah. Got the byline a couple of times and all that. But, uh, he's a bit mad. He, was he on, actually, was he on the bench on Sunday? No. On the bench? no. He wasn't on the bench. See, that, 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 I remember trying to read my phone about 12 o'clock to see the team, but I'd already been drinking since half seven, so I was a bit still like, I couldn't even remember yeah. what the team was, because I was just that nervous. So I it is, it's strange, it's very strange what's going on with him, to be honest with you. But he, again, he, he, he might not be up to speed, he might not be, not, might not be fit, but he, could have been, he would have been worth putting on in the next the last 20 minutes or something like that, wasn't it, wouldn't he? But mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's going on there, to be honest, it's a bit strange. But it's a bit Newcastle United, really, isn't it? I was going to say because on Dumbia, to me, Neil, like you, you would if they if they're going if they're going to take Perez off or they're going to change it up, you, they're going to keep Wijnaldum in there. You would think they would have they would have brought Dumbia would have been in there. But the good thing is he brought in De Jong pretty early, didn't he? Which I which I actually thought was quite yeah. intelligent. Benitez may just not fancy him. Maybe. You know, it happens. You know, your new manager comes in and just doesn't like the look of the lad. Or is saying not fit, not ready, whatever. Um, he might be on the bench next game, who knows? Who knows? But we had this with Ferreira last year. Yeah. You know, as well. He came in and was barely seen again. Just disappeared in a, in a grand puff of smoke. Um, it, 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 it is very odd because Dumbia again you look at his record on paper he, he's got a fair record on paper but we don't need out on paper at the minute we just need it on the pitch um, so you, you, I guess you've just got to trust, trust Benitez with that one um, bear in mind we still don't know who signed Dumbia was it Carr, was it McLaren was it a combination of the two of them was was Bobby Moncur sent out with a list and misread it? Uh, who made that decision? I don't know. It's a bit of a, you know, a, bit of a strange um, one because his, his stats are very good, aren't they? It is. Cause yeah, he's a FIFA player, though. You know, at the end of the day, and I, and, I, and I do worry is he one that's been signed on on the back of somebody sitting on an Xbox one evening going, "Oh, he yes, one." Uh, I, I just don't know. The thing is, Lee, when you when you uh, uh, the it, it seemed a bit more less um, aggravation from when the uh, the Sunderland fans turned up. Uh, obviously, I saw a bit on Periscope, but there didn't seem to be. Obviously, when the fans came in, there wasn't the vile the vileness that normally happens between the two clubs. Did you did you pick pick up on that, uh, Lee? Well, to be honest with you, mate, again, I I didn't I don't go and watch the Sunderland fans come in. I can't even <laughs> see what the what the hell is the point of sitting, standing in the street, pointing and shouting at the opposition fans? Because mm. I'd rather be in the pub having a pint and a bit of banter with me mates. Because when I go down there, 
when when there was a when I come out of their ground, there was some old older fellas standing there shouting, and there's oh, five and six in a row, six in a row. I was like, <laughs> oh mate, mate, is the pub's not open? What is wrong with you, man? Get to the pub. So no, I didn't get involved in any of that. But in the ground, you were you're probably right. There wasn't much. Um, there wasn't much actually vile abuse or vile songs towards Adam Johnson. I, I thought there might have been more actually, but there, there wasn't. And I think it probably got something to do with the fact that your cover fans are just wanting to try and get behind uh, Benitez, really. I think we've appointed a manager where we're thinking, oh, we've got a bit hope, but now we're all thinking that bloody useless one has left it bloody too late. He's appointed the best manager you could have bloody appointed, mm. and then there's a chance now we're going to go down and he walks away at the end of the season. And then we end up with John Carver coming back they would make him oh, one to tell you the day. Uh, the, the actual... Pl- um the actual fan who actually went on the pitch has been handed a five-year season ticket. I think I must be right wrong somewhere online. But somebody says, Newcastle United fan, uh, John West handed five-year season ticket to Newcastle as punishment for pitch invasion. To be honest with you, Andrew, that's not really punishment at the moment. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just thought it was funny. I saw it, I thought it was funny, sorry, for interjecting there. But... Um, Tell me, uh, what was your thoughts on, uh, obviously, Mike Ash has been on TV today, uh, the chancer of them all, <laughs> but um, the one thing I take from, I'll, I'll ask Neil this in a second as well, but um, isn't it interesting if you're trying to protect your brand, which SD is his brand, the one thing you don't want to do is egg him on. And the fact that he's been asked by one of my uh, one of the fans of the show, uh, Chion Roro MP and Ian Burns MP uh, for Gateshead, uh, to come to Parliament, talk about his practices, you don't turn round and say, no, 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 you come and see me. It, it doesn't make any sense, does it? Because if you're trying to build your brand up and you're trying to get people to go into, to go into your stores... You don't egg them on to to come after you. What do you what's your thoughts on that, Lee? Mm, ah, well, you've got to you've got to bear in mind, uh, Andrew, that uh, I don't think Mike Ashton gives a damn that much. I think he makes enough money off his sport. I think he makes enough money off his sports direct brand, and also you've got to also take into account, um, you know, England at the minute. England England is a place at the moment. Not um, you know, there's a lot of people on the kind of poverty line, and his clothes shops. It's clothes shops or sports shops because exactly what it says on the tin, you can go and get cheap sportswear for your kids and things like that or yourself. Mm-hmm. So I don't see Sports Direct ever kind of being in trouble. It's obviously, it's more around sort of like what they're doing with the people who are working within the business and things like that. It took a long time for us to actually hear Mike Ashley speak, Andrew. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. been at your castle for six years. So regardless of what MPs are doing, they can merge the one or myself as well. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've, I've got a feeling you'll just can I don't care. I'll just go and sit on me desert island with me three billion in the bank. <laughs> Neil? Wait, Lee's right. It's difficult to make a rich man sweat. He really can't take that kind of attitude. And he makes a very valid point. It is very, very difficult to do anything to discourage people from shopping in his stores because you get proper brands at genuinely low prices mm. and in this economic climate it's difficult because kids want brands they didn't want crummy trainers they want them to be indecent trainers and so it's hard to tell people don't do this and don't do that because 
economically it just doesn't make sense. You know, I face the same challenge when you're trying to promote certain healthy eating and, yeah. and you look at the shopping list on healthy eating and it versus buying the crap stuff and the, the crap stuff's half the price and it's difficult then to turn around to if any family who may be struggling to justify that that outlay, you know? Um, he, he's, he's very good it's sort of thumbing his nose to authority and saying, no, I'm doing it my way. Even in, the, even in, you know, in every aspect of business that he deals in, he always has to do it his own way. And the people in the city love him and hate him for that. Um, it, it, it's interesting, again, he's being more vocal and open, and this, this this is why I just wonder what the bloke's game is at the minute. It's it, it, he's such a hard character to read, mm. and he's the master of the bluff and double bluff in everything he does. So um, yeah, very very difficult one because as Lee quite rightly says, he can just go and sit on a desert island with his three billion in the bank and say, "Sod the lot, you." Mm. <laughs> but he could do it tomorrow if he wanted. <laughs> yeah, I, I, what, what I'm tr- a little bit of what I'm trying to get at is that the fact that. We're all happy that he's brought in Rafael, Rafael Benitez because you've got somebody there, whether by hook or by crook, he's going to drag our club to, you know, to be a fit and proper purpose for the, for the city or for the fans all over the world because at Liverpool, um, you know, he, he started out really, really well. And even at the finish, he was trying to do the right thing when the, when the owners came in, who were obviously as dodgy as Mr. Ashley is in some respects. But that's the problem now, isn't it, Lee, that you've got a guy who you kind of... The trouble is about Mark Ashley, you kind of want to like him because, you, you know, you, you'd known from a very early age that he has support in Newcastle. And even, even in the, the outtakes that I, I saw on Sky, that he... Um, he said, oh, I always want to win. I always want Newcastle to win, uh, no matter who they're playing against. But it doesn't go into hand. It, with business and with sports, Lee, you, you, you can't just take it. You can take a chance on results in some respects. But if you, if you really want to succeed, you should, it, it should start from your brand. It should, because you, you're, you're, you're starting something that you want to finish, and you want to look—you want to look really good. You want to be the guys in charge of a of a team that could win something and make make so much money. I think Lee, we've always spoke about this, haven't we? The amount of money that he could make on behalf of Newcastle United if he just did the right thing and brought somebody in over him. Even he can still own Newcastle United, but it defies complete logic for a guy that. In the city that they love, they love him, hate him, and Nico as you said. Why don't it, it's just it's infuriating uh, that what what he's doing to new for, to the to the club, and as we've already said, Benitez is probably the greatest present you could ever have given Newcastle United fans. And as Neil said, it should have happened ten games ago. At least it gives him a chance. But why for a guy that's so obsessed with making money? be on the verge of, of losing onwards £120 million, Lee. It's hard. It's a hard one to think. That he think it's hard, it's hard to think about his mentality and, and what he thinks of. I mean, ultimately, his ownership of Newcastle United from a football point of view has been an absolute car crash. 
it could, we are on the verge of our second relegation under his stewardship. You know, and Aki, I've said it until I'm blue in the face, as you've just pointed out, everything's safe in your castle to be what it wants to be. Just needs the right person to tap into it. Fan base hasn't went anywhere. They're still turning up in their bloody millions. Um, But, I mean, to sum them up, to sum them up in, you know, one particular sentence, this man appointed Joe Kinnear not once, but twice, Mm. at Newcastle United in football terms. I mean, everyone thought Joe Kinnear was dead. It's unbelievable, man. That this sums him up. So it took him. It took him. It took him to <clears throat> us being second bottom of the Premier League with ten games to go again to bring somebody in of an importance when he's possibly left it too late. When we had a, an internet, we had an eighteen-day break after getting absolutely humped off Chelsea when we knew we weren't going to go. We knew things weren't changing. We could all see it, but it's the people that he appoints to make the decisions. Why did he appoint these people to make the decisions? He appointed a casino owner to do things at one point. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, appoint proper football people with proper football knowledge. I could gun and do. I could gun and gun and there and do a better job than Lee Charney. I can tell you that now. Mm-hmm. I'd sit down and I'd get the right people in and around us to do the right things to help the manager. And Rafa, Rafa Benitez won't like, won't need the likes of Lee Charney and that if he's in if he's in charge of Newcastle United next season because he could he just say, Mike. This is what we need to do. Trust me. You just signed the checks, pal. But I've got a, I've just got a bad feeling that if we go in the championship, would Rafa Benitez be at Newcastle United? I'd like to think so. I'd like to think he's going to be like to us and try and build something here. But really, if a top job becomes available and someone comes in for him, is he going to stay at Newcastle United? Mm. Probably we think, Probably not, yeah. But, but okay. I think, um, what do you, before I bring in uh, Steve Hasty. Um, obviously, we'll be talking about um, we'll be talking about um, the Norwich game on Monday, Lee. But I'll let your voice, I'll let you, I'll let you go now and <laughs> recover, and then we'll talk about uh, the Norwich game on Monday. But uh, thanks very much for coming on, even though I know you're a bit hoarse for wear and you're starting mm. to go. But you've been tremendous guest tonight. Thanks very much, and we'll I catch you. Bother, we'll catch you I'm next uh, Monday. I'm just going to go and put some uh, Take care, some man. Cream, put some cream on your bruises. <laughs> 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 Cheers, Lee. Spot on, mate. Oh, Cheers, mate. Ta-da. Ta-da, Great stuff. Yeah. He's, he's, he's always he's always good copy, even though tonight, for the first time on this show, I think I've out-talked him. <laughs> As the most the most subdued he's been. Um, but, you know, it, it, it doesn't that just sum it up. It, scenes in the ground, scenes where I was watching last night, mm. uh, we had Mackham's in the bar with her, and it, was, uh, it, it did get a little bit mm, tense. Shall we say at one point, and it was it was uh, raucous when we scored. There was arms and legs and beer and all kinds of flying everywhere and peanuts and popcorn and God, it was it was and it was brilliant. Um, hence why I've got a very sore throat the day myself. So, you know, um, good feeling, good feeling. Just well, obviously as I said already this evening, professional. Uh, so the next the next guest on uh, Toon Talk, Toon Talk. Dog, sorry, www.toontalk.co.uk with Gravity Radio Northeast, where you can actually listen to us via the TuneIn app. We are, I'm pleased to bring in uh, my regular guest Steve Hasty from the United Fans Forum. Good evening, Steve. How are you? 
I'm fine, Andrew. How are you? I not too bad, not too bad. And obviously Neil Mitchell on the other line as well. So tell me, uh, lots to cover tonight, as you, as ever with Newcastle United. Uh, but I'll start my first question. You know what's go- what I'm going to do after after the first question. So uh, tell me, give me your thoughts on the team performance and the way that um, the, we were set up in the first half. And we'll get to the the bits and pieces. But um, Newcastle were very lucky yesterday. Uh, were they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'll, I'll let you and Neil talk about it for a minute. <laughs> I, I think the most important, it was a very, very sort of tense atmosphere around, I think, on, from both sides. I think both, both supporters mm. were, were quite apprehensive. Uh, I don't know about the atmosphere, uh, whether that came over with you, Neil, in Dubai, but uh, certainly um, before the game. Absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I went to I went to the bar and I, I met. Uh, I was chatting with Olivia Bernard before the match, and uh, Olivia did a, mm. a great little piece to the to microphone uh, with oh. Steve Bruce, and uh, it was interesting that uh, you know chatting to him beforehand. He, you know, he was nervous for for the for the game uh, as much as we were, and uh, there's a player who's someone who's played in a derby, you know, and, and you know you could tell. We were all we were all apprehensive, mainly I think because of the one league position. Mm. I, I think both teams, and I know Allardyce made mention of it in his pre-match interview about preparing the team mentally, and I think that was in the first half was the difference. As I think they they looked a little less nervous than us on the pitch, um, but certainly where we were, because we had a mix, there was a few Mackams in the bar with us. Um, it was tense. And it was yeah. it was it wasn't an animosity tense. It wasn't oh I'm going to smash you and I'm going to sing songs about this one and what have you. It was nobody was saying a word. Tense. Everybody was just muttering and looking at the beer. Tense before the game. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and, it, and it and it took it it, it took that kind of it it, it it took the really it took their goal to wake everybody up. And that was when it turned into more of a proper atmosphere in the bar. Uh, and that's how tense it was. Yeah, so it, it certainly came it across. Came over that way. Yeah, didn't it? It certainly came over that way. And I mean, we, where we were beforehand, you know, even even sitting there in the '92 club, you could tell um, it, it, it was it was it was a strange atmosphere. And I mean, like I say, it's more that that that. that it's not a nervous excitement. It's a nervous apprehension. It's two it's totally different for you. We've been nervous. Uh, Nervous tension before a game, before you know, like the cup final or something like that, where you're, you're nervous but you're excited, you know, and all that thing. It was it was slightly different yesterday, but uh, in, in terms of the game itself, I thought that you know the, the game played out not quite the way I thought it would. I thought we would have gone at them a little bit more in the first sort of twenty twenty five minutes, and we didn't. We we perhaps gave them a little bit too much respect, or or perhaps we expected. And Benitez expected Allardyce to come at with, uh, sorry, to sit back and, and it, us to come at them, and I think it was sort of a little bit of a counter bluff. But uh, it, it was it was very much a cat and mouse uh, first 20 minutes. I thought, um, I thought that you know once they scored, I thought it, it, it kind of shook us up a little bit. Um, but I thought mm. in the second half, we you know after after about 50 minutes or so, I thought we we, we kind of got our act together a little bit. We, we became a little bit more free flowing. And then when the when the substitutions were made, I thought they were very very interesting. Mm. Uh, I know that there was an injury to Jan Matz, and he had mm. signalled and said that he couldn't carry on. 
Um, Anita came on and, and we saw we saw Anita ploughing forward and, and, he, and he did okay. Um, we saw Colback going off, which quite frankly, you know, you know, Colback Colback had to go simply because he had a booking and. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't think, I think Benitez is one of these sort of pragmatic people. You look at it and go, you know what, I'm not going to risk uh, this again. And quite frankly, it was a ridiculous booking. I mean, it, it, why, why he did what he did, why Awful, he flattered into, into Barini at the particular, that particular spot on the pitch during the time. But he, he'd been having one of those niggly games where he mm. was he was fired up in a different way to everyone else, whether it was the emotion of, the, of you know, playing in a, in a, a time and we had Derby when he's been on receiving end the last couple of games but he's also been you know getting a lot of stick from the Sunderland fans mm-hmm. but he, he seemed to be fired up in the, in the wrong way and he, mm-hmm. he got involved with Barini and Barini berated and he, he he badgered him he, he you know he kept going uh, across to that side and, and, and pushed himself on him as if to say well come on you're going to do it again and you're going to do it again and, and he fell for it you know and it, mm-hmm. it was very unprofessional of him I thought Um but it was interesting, wasn't it, when Sissoko, as you've already sort of alluded to, playing at left-back, he, mm. he actually looked more comfortable at left-back than, <laughs> than, he, than he has uh, as late in, in either on the, wide on the right, wide on the left, or, or well, he's very rarely played in the centre, hasn't he? Um, but interestingly, in the conversation I had with Olivia beforehand, and we were talking about how he gets picked for France and doesn't get mm. picked, and, 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 you know, on form you would expect him to go the other way, but he says, he look at what happens with France and he tends to play a more down-the-middle approach. And they see him as more mm. their box-to-box man down the middle of the field and, he, and it, it allows their wingers to, to, to progress a little bit better, you know? So mm. it's interesting that, you know, we're, as Olivia said, perhaps we're playing him out of position, you know? Maybe, he's, you know, that, that, there's, a, there's a certain element of that to it, you know? But uh, do, you think he has to, do you think he needs to be, a, with, with it being left-back, he he he, has, he he gets involved more. He, he needs that because um, he, it's every time he's in mid, in midfield or the right, he's, it's like stop start, isn't it? I think at left back, it could be a good spot because he might intimidate. Um, you know, especially with Norris coming up, <laughs> we need somebody. You know, think well, okay, well, he's a big. I don't mean intimidate like because of his personality, because uh, or his attitude, because I don't think he's got one. But. Um, but when the fact that they're thinking, well, he's a big, he's a big lad. I've got, I've got to, have to try and beat him for pace, and that's the one thing he's got. It could be a good fit coming up the next couple of ga- next couple of games. It could be, and also playing playing at left back, you get plenty of time to have a few breathers, won't you? Because mm-hmm. you know that plays right into his hands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you look at it that way, I mean, I, 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 it's an interesting that that, that, that left back situation, right back situation. And, and him slotting in, but mm. Harry Bear was a bit like that, wasn't he? He was yeah. a solid, big lad who could plough mm. forward when he wanted to, you know, and and had a presence about him which, you know, Newcastle fans loved. You know, you, you love to see someone who's mm. big, strong, who can get a foot in, and this type of thing. And uh, with Mr. Soto, you can understand where all the question marks are coming from the fans because, mm. you know, there's no end product with the stuff he does. There's no end product mm. whatsoever. Takes the extra and, touch, doesn't he, all the time? Yeah, I, I mean, we had this conversation at work today and we're saying that, you know, you've got, you've got De Jong there and you've got Sosoko. And if you had to pick one or the other, which one would you go for? If you had a, if you had a straight choice between the two, which one would you go for? And quite honestly, we, we all agreed that... The one we'll go for would be De Jong, simply because he's mm. got a goal in him. 
and at this stage of the season, we're lacking goal scorers. And, and De Jong does look mm-hmm. as though, and we know that he has, he's got a goal in him. If you want a goal every one in every 30, 35 games, you'll go for a Sissoko. Mm. If you want a goal every five or six games from a midfield player, you would go for a De Jong because he's that type of player who can ghost into the box and he can get his head on the ball and he can actually hit the target, you know? Mm. Um, whether he can stay injury-free, because as Neil alluded to earlier, yes, he is made of glass, isn't he, you know? Mm. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um you know, you, you you just wonder what the next injury is going to do. And it was in yesterday when he he got hit within about twenty seconds. I thought, and everybody around us went, "Oh, yeah. there he goes! There's another break!" You know, what's that going to have been? But he he picked himself up, dusted himself down, and he he brought a he brought a calmness to the to the midfield. He, he was a nice link up. You know, he 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 linked up well. I thought I thought he he played the simple pass, uh, but that simple pass was a, a pass going forward, and it was a pass to a running man in, in terms of a Perez, for example, um, or it was it was to somebody like Wijnaldum who was wanting again and I thought had been playing in a position that, that stifled him a bit, I think, during the game. Mm. Um, it's not a natural role for him, but I thought he, he quit himself well and I thought he basically went out and, and did what Benitez asked him to do, which was mm. to, to, to hold that central midfield area, you know. Which was difficult as well, didn't? When you've got a likes of a Kirchhoff who's playing so deep. So I think the, I think uh, Alan Shearer last night summed up quite well, didn't he? Because when it comes to Kirchhoff, he was running that midfield. Newcastle would not winning any second ball. He he was stopping it. He was he was breaking things up. We've been saying for months about De Jong playing in that team, and the, the thing is, when it comes to the. The, the back end of the season, you need somebody who, who's who got a goal in him, as we've seen a couple of times, he's got a couple of good goals, and who somebody can inter- link the play up, give Newcastle, give Newcastle players a chance to, to bring things up, but for me, you, you can't look in the final running, uh, uh, Steve, that we can look um, for Perez to be up top with Mitrovic, uh, what's your take on that? Because when CC come on, you have to love CC. Come on, smiling away, loving, loving life as he always does. Uh, plus, and you've got Dumbia, who wasn't even in the squad, and, he, and we still have for uh, Riviere on the bench. I know it's a, a few things to throw at you there, but what's your thoughts on all of them? I like Perez. I think Perez is a smashing little player. I think that uh, Perez is, is, is links up well. I think he, I think he. Yes, he has had some quieter games of late, but he's been in and out of the team as well, which I think has been, in, on some occasions, been a little bit unfair. I thought he's had some good games and then he's been dropped. Um, and I don't know what the, the particular uh, thought process was with McLaren doing that. Um, in terms of in terms of where we are with with say Dumbia and and uh, and as well. There was a there was an article put in just not too long ago explaining that apparently Dumbia doesn't train. He's one yeah. of these. I'll turn up on a Friday. Um, mm. Now that's not going to wash with Rafa Benitez, is it? <laughs> no. Guaranteed. No. That's not going to wash no. with Benitez. Benitez is going to say, "I want to see what you're doing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then I'll make my mind up on Friday." By which mm. time it's too late, mate. You know, um, Benitez is a professional. Benitez knows what he's doing. And I think the substitutions and the way that he made those moves and those changes, uh, I thought were refreshing. I don't think it would have happened 
um, with the previous regime. It certainly would have happened with the, pre- the other two regimes that we've had under Pardew or, or John Carver. They wouldn't have uh, they wouldn't have risked those those changes. Um, quite frankly, they would have ended up uh, playing with ten men. <laughs> mm. The, th- the yeah. thing is, what, when it comes to um, how we what we go forward now, you've, we we have to win. Obviously, there's a few games we need to win, but when it comes to Norwich, which we're going to talk about next week, obviously a bit more in depth. But uh, when it comes to Norwich, we have to. I personally think we have to go four four three, because Norwich, even though they've they've had four, two, four, three. yeah, four four three. I have that that struggle. I'll have that. I'll play on the pitch. I'll play with twelve on the pitch. Four three three. Four three three. That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. So my one mistake tonight, which is not bad for seven forty. But like, um, the thing is, I just think you. The only thing about Norwich is that it is a bit of a compact pitch. I'm sure as Rafa Benitez will probably say, but um, you know we've got to go for it. I think we have to. You know we we could you could say that about yesterday actually. There wasn't enough of going for it, but you know to me if he, if he's bringing on Dion after sixty minutes. He must play the next game, surely. He must play. I don't know. I, think- I, don't, I honestly don't. Honestly, don't know. I mean, Benitez, Benitez is going to be. It's going to be quite pragmatic, isn't he? You know, mm. that's that's what he's about. Um, I think what what you'll see is is in the next fortnight he, he'll be he'll be assessing, giving him a chance to assess exactly what he's got. Mm. Uh, he'll be looking. He'll be looking at that how Norwich played on Saturday. Mm. Um, Norwich were playing what I think is the worst team that I've seen at St mm-hmm. James's Park this season, by the way, in West Bromwich Albion. Um, I, I, I think they're a, a shocking team, quite frankly. And uh, Norwich, Norwich didn't... I don't think they, they pulled up any, <laughs> any flowers and roses in that game, but they managed mm-hmm. to get a win. And, I mean, it was completely against the run of, of form, wasn't it? You know, because since we beat Norwich... Yeah. Uh, so, so completely West Brom, you know, they're, they're, they've, they've had a little run and it, and it surprised people. Um, I don't know how, mind, I don't know how they've managed it. Um, but you, you then look at you look, you look at Norwich and you think, oh, their run's been even worse. They've been, they've mm. been, they are there. They have been, you know, dropping like a stone, haven't they? They've been throwing games away, and their concentration levels and everything have, have completely gone in, in most of the, the last three or four games that they've played. Um, I don't know what I don't know what Benitez will do. I don't think he will go four three three to be perfectly perfectly honest. Um, I think you, I, I think Mitrovic needs a partner, whether it's CC mm. or whether it's Perez. I don't know what 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 two strikers does give. It gives it gives someone it gives the other defenders the, the, the they have to start worrying about which one to pick up mm. and whether that gives Perez, gives Mitrovic that little bit more space. Mm. Um, by having Cici there, who is a natural striker and a natural man in the box, um, as opposed to, to Perez, um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I was disappointed, I must admit, by Townsend yesterday. I expected a lot more from him. I thought he flattered to deceive. I thought he's one of these players. He, he can take players on. He can, he can beat his man, but I thought his final ball at times was, was uh, poor. I thought his final choice of ball was poor. Um, and for someone who cost uh, an awful lot of money, um, you know, I expected more than that yesterday. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, no, no, <laughs> it's still all to pay for. And it's, I mean, Neil, you you said it earlier, didn't you? Um, what we got? Nine games to go. Um, 
you've only got to win. You've only got to win a couple more games than the, than the teams around you, and and you'll be above them. Um, yeah. And I, I was looking at Norwich's fixtures, and they're not uh, they're not exactly uh, a simple running for them either. I think that was probably the one thing. I think I I try not to look at other teams' results, but I was unfortunately in the house just as I I heard that Norwich took the lead. And I must admit, it was like a bomb going off because you never, you never thought, that, even though they drew nil-nil against Man City, that they were capable of going away from home and delivering that that uh, knockout blow to West Bromwich Albion, who were pretty, pretty poor uh, that day as well. So, um, obviously, I think with the fact that Rafa's got a, f- a bit more time now to get the players, because I don't think there's that many players left to go on international duty, that he's got a bit more time to uh, get the get the players t- tuned in on their two days, which is fabulous. That he's getting them over um, two days, he's getting them training twice a day. Uh, what do you? What's your thoughts on Mr. Ashley? Because um, obviously he's been in the news today. Um, every every time I look on Twitter, he's um, there seems to be a diff. He seems to be saying something different and um, saying he's the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, I did put on Twitter today that. Um, well, there's your answer, um, Chion Rura and um, uh, Ian Mearns. He's telling you he's not coming to see you for tea. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen the interview. I haven't read any of the transcripts of what he's been up up to. I know that he's what, done, a, done a little slot on Sky TV, yeah. Sky Sports, uh, where he's, he's taking us around his, uh, his fabulous empire. Uh, <laughs> Down in Shirebrook, and he's shown us the distribution centre, mm-hmm. and he's had a little. He's been asked a few questions about Newcastle United. Mm-hmm. The one thing I'd like to have heard from him was uh, whether we stay up or whether we go down. Is he going to? Is he going to turn heaven and earth to keep Rafa Benitez at Newcastle United? Because if anything, whether we if we go down, that's still got to be his number one priority is is to make sure that Rafa Benitez is there to rebuild the club and rebuild it in the right way. Um, with the right decisions, with the right sort of football that's coming in, with the right personnel to coach them, and uh, with the right backroom team, and with the right uh, training facilities, and you know this is, this should be made a long-term project for Rafa Benitez, quite frankly, and uh, he should be handed whatever he needs to start the rebuilding the castle, whether we go up, uh, stay up, or whether we uh, whether we go down, and it has to be done from a from a lower a lower peg. Um, that's the way I'm. That's the way I'm looking at it now. I'm not. I'm not thinking of relegation. Uh, I'm remaining positive because I think you have to. Uh, I don't want to depress myself any more than these two this stage in the season. I think um, the the one thing, obviously Neil, I get your take in a minute, but um, the fact that if we've got obviously got a far better chance now than what we did three weeks ago with Rafa Benitez being in there. The problem going forward is that if Newcastle are relegated, it's quite clear in the in the words that um, Rafa Benitez used himself uh, and the statement that there's a break clause in there, and I and I heard it a few times on the day he came in. It's a normal situation where a break will come into place. So no matter what happens with Newcastle, if they go down, he won't be staying as Newcastle United manager. I don't even think if you offered him thirty million, he would want to do it. He's a winner. Every time he talks on Newcastle United, that guy hates drawing. 
hates giving up a goal, hates everything about not being a success. And it's it more or less it punches you in the face a little bit because he so wants to win and I I saw the obviously we saw the celebrations when the backroom staff went nuts. Uh and you could also see a bit of emotion from Rafa when 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 the Mitrovic goal went in. But um I, it's it's pretty you know, the, the the one thing about Rafa Benitez I think he is quite black and white. He's told you what the terms are gonna be and on those terms he will do he will do exactly what's been agreed. Uh, I think the only thing going forward the well, positive well, well, yeah. Will he, will, do, you not, do you not mean he'll do what he'll do what the contract will allow him to do? Yeah. Which is the contract will allow him to walk away if he wants. Yes. To, yes. Right. So it's up it's up to, it's up to Newcastle United right. to do everything in their power to make sure mm-hmm. that he doesn't pull in that clause and say yeah, I'm walking. Exactly. And the yeah. court, and he did he did say at the same time, remember, so we'll remember what he said, which mm. was, that's a normal clause for both sides because yes. if they don't want me because we go down because they can't afford us, is what he's implying, if right. the club go down, maybe the club has a change of, a change of direction and goes, you know what, we're not mm. going to pay whatever ridiculous amount of money he's on to stay uh, if he's in the lower league. So mm. it gives them the option to cut the to cut the the, the the tie if you like as well, mm. and he and he, st- he said that in his in his press conference as well. So you can play it either way, Andrew. Mm. Um, but true, I think yeah. the most I think the most important thing is that we've got to do everything we can to make sure that that he get, he gets every available uh, opportunity to keep us in the Premier League. And if he does keep us in the Premier League. Then he stays at Newcastle United, hopefully, um, and, and, and is given all the resources necessary to mm. rebuild the football club on the pitch and off the pitch. And mm. I think his influence, if he can keep us up, will be even greater. His opportunity to influence what happens will be even greater. We've just got to hope that he's a strong enough man to actually see what he's got in front of him mm. at St James's Park, in the same way as Mike Ashley has yet to see what he's got in front yeah. of him at St James's Park. When's the next fans forum? Because I know it's just been done lately, but when's the next one? At the end of the season, Andrew. Oh, it's the end of the season, is it? Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, it would be interesting because of the next one, you would have maybe hoped to see Rafa Benitez um, t- t- talking to the to the to, to use to use lads and lasses on the forum just for you for you to get a take on it. It might be interesting, mightn't it, if things go if we things go well that they have a meet and greet uh with the fans forum uh once when we pick up a few re- results. That would be a nice touch, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, I mean it's it's not the be on an end all to meet to meet Rafa Bitty as the the be on you know, the the, the important thing in the fans forum is that they get the opportunity to relay back mm. to the board uh, yeah. the thoughts of the, of the fans and, the, and respond, get them to respond to questions that support have asked them. Mm. Uh, and that's what the fans forum's all about. Yeah. It's about communication and, and keeping those lines of communication open and keeping them positive and, and where necessary, criticising in the right manner mm. and pointing out their, their mistakes, pointing out yeah. their foibles and, and giving them food for thought on what they should be doing to make it better. So far, you know, they've, they've gone out and They've got us a manager. Um, we, we've all got an opinion on whether they got him in time. Uh, and I think we're 100% agreed on this programme that he came too late. Um, mm. And we should have, if, to give him a fair crack of the whip, he should have come in an awful lot earlier. 
mm. uh, Christmas time, maybe it's just after the Cup was the one I, I said, once we're out the FA Cup, I think at that point where you knew that there wasn't going to be any distractions at the Cup, that uh, changes should have been made then. They should, certainly should have been made after the second Watford game, the league game, where uh, McLaren went out and played virtually exactly the same tactics mm. and uh, and it didn't work again. You know? mm. um, and, and that was only a matter of a couple of weeks later, you know. Um, McLaren's enjoying himself now. He's sunning himself <laughs> on the beaches of Barbados, you know. So, Best place uh, for him. You know. <laughs> good, well, good, luck, good luck to him. That's, that's yeah. you know, he, 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 like, he's always came over as a very likable chap, smiling mm. face, but, you know, the job was just too big for him. And uh, it was too big for him at Derby towards the end. And mm. what was so, so at Derby, people at Newcastle United should have seen and thought, no, no, he's mm. not for us. Uh, in the same way as they've seen with Ralph Vinny, they said, you know, he is the man yeah. for us. Yeah. Let's hope it's a change. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Well, great to have you on, and we'll we'll catch you next Monday with, to where we talk about the Norris game. Thanks a lot, Steve. Thanks for coming yeah, on. No Appreciate problem. it. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Take care. Take care. Cheers, Cheers, Steve. Cheers, Cheers, mate. Thanks. <laughs> well, great to have Steve on. Is ever Neil, isn't he? Great to have him. He's always gets great insight and uh, always tells me how it is, even when I, even if I'm wrong sometimes. Just like you do, Neil. Sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. So we got John, Newcastle fan, who's on every week as as ever as our final guest of this evening. Good evening, John. Good evening, Andrew. How are you doing, mate? I'm all right. How are you? I'm I'm fine. Not very bad. Not very bad. Just uh, still optimistic. Of, um, Newcastle's top up in this league, and um, now we've got Rafa here, as you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a hope, hope we stay up. Yeah, it's, it's been obviously you've been very vocal about uh, on Twitter with regards to to Rafa coming in in such a it's such a great thing for the for the football club. Uh, what, what's been your take on him so far? What, what's impressed you the, the most apart from getting the players in twice a day? <laughs> I've, I've been um, personally. I thought it's an absolute good idea. I mean, it should be coming every day because um, you know he wants to get them into a good shape. He wants to. Um, Bad at the tactics. He's a tactics, a great tactician, by the way. But he needs to get to know his players, sort of thing, what their strengths and weaknesses are. And uh, what he's doing. Hello? Steve, um, hello? No, come on, continue. Sorry, sorry, I, was just, I was just talking to Neil for a second. <laughs> no, I was just saying that. Uh, you know, um, he should be coming in playing every day. I mean, Steve McLaren, I mean, he gets the day off on a Monday. And it gives players um, two days off before the game. That's not how you um, prepare for a football match. You just don't do that. But Rafa's coming in, he gets in training, talks about tactics, tells them this is you want to be, keeping the team in the shape. And in the last two games I've watched, that's been a lot, lot better. Mm. I mean, what's your take, John? How well do you think that people in the club couldn't see what we could see? days ago, weeks ago, months ago. Yeah. Why have they waited so long to do this? Because here we are, we've been presented. It's almost going to be like bullseye. Look at what you could have won if we get relegated because we've got the best manager we could have asked for to come in. Way above expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what do you think they were seeing with McLaren that we weren't? <sighs> well, what Newcastle wanted, they wanted a yes man. In someone like Steve McLaren, I said at the time in the summer, he was the wrong man mm. in, Newcastle in the first place. He should never ever come to this club, no way. And uh, he couldn't get Derby County up, 
He's a yes to me. He's yes to this man. He's just a, to me, he's just a dinosaur. I mean, no players ain't going to listen to him. They're just laughing at him. I'm glad that Rafa Benitez has come in, right, to take this job on. Mm. Otherwise, if he felt that um, he couldn't keep this lot up, right, he would never come to Newcastle, Neil. Do you know what I mean? What he's done, yeah. right, he, he should have, they should have, I mean, Lee Charnley should have done this way back there this was time. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. He should have, he should have done that after the... The West Brom game, right? After the West Brom game, where they're mm. clearing up playing for three shots on on Gruel, one on the target in that game. That's what I just said. Thanks, Steve. But, you know, I just don't think you can take this club on. So, but, and the players are not playing for him. They didn't want to play for him. And all this business about mm. the Bournemouth game, that, um, that letter, sort of, that Steven said, oh, we're behind the manager, sort of thing, just before the Bournemouth game. Well, if that's the best they played, if that's just to support your manager, they've got a fun and weird bullet, you know what I mean? He should have been yeah. after the West Brom game. Get Rafa in, right, after they really got sacked up in Real Madrid. Get this guy in, in January. He would have got the players in. He would have got the players that you wanted, okay. And uh, he could have got one or two Napoli players, maybe. He could have got the players that he wanted. And then... Mm. Newcastle would have been warm and dry. In fact, we'd have been warm and dry now because there's no way we'd have been in the bottom three if Rafa came in January. No way. But the book stops with um, Lee Charnies, isn't it? Because when you, when you saw him uh, loving the fact that he got Rafa Benitez in, uh, but even in the press conference, uh, he admitted that the only the only way that he he came in was if they if they had. If they do, did their due diligence, diligence and sacked McLaren, that was the only way he was going to turn up the front door. So it's, it's kind of Raf Benitez telling a guy who obviously hasn't got a clue uh, what to do um, with regards to their own manager. It, it seems that Lee, it seems like Lee Charnley needs real help at that club, and the only way to get that help is to get rid of the guy and bring somebody in that knows what he's doing, John. Absolutely, I mean. He is not a footballing man. I mean, he should have been he should have been sacked as well like the end of the season. I mean, he was absolutely clueless. He knows nothing about football. He's, you know what? He's trying to impress um, Mike Ashley really. I mean, he's trying to follow him. When he was left um, on his own to do um, a decision left of him, he did not have a clue whatsoever sort of thing. You know, he always wanted to see McClam to come to Newcastle. Why? Mm. Because to him... He thinks he is the perfect head coach mm. for Newcastle, which has turned out to be an absolute disaster. Okay, and uh, and now mm. it's been shown. I mean, they left it to. I mean, I'm not going to say oh, they left it too late because I still think you can get out of it, but only mm. just. But Lee Charnley should be should be um, given his P45 alongside Graham Carr at the end mm. of the season and getting a proper proper chief executive to come into Newcastle. I mean, there's, there's one guy I'm, I would love to have, and because I know it's a bit of a long, long shot. There's two uh, I can think of, and that's Walter Zabiantini from Roma, or Michael Zurich from Dortmund. Those two are proper footballing people, sporting directors, okay? But we're not going to get them, because they're so happy in the rules and that, and they will not come in and work with Mike Ashley. But those are the sort of guys that we need at this football club, you know, to support the manager. You tell the manager the players he wants, okay? He tells them, and says, okay, if we can afford him, we go and get him. But no, we've got Graham Carr, who's obsessed with mm. buying 
French players from abroad with very little premiership experience. It worked in the past, but mm. not now, and it's showing on the pitch now. The thing is, Neil, if when Newcastle stay mm. up with Ralph Benitez, there's no way, in, I can't see any way, shape or form, that Charney will be allowed to stay with Graham Carr. To me, it's a foregone conclusion uh, because he wants, he'll want his own team in there. Well, I, th- I think it depends. Um, and, and this again, we're, we're back to this, this discussion about what Rafa Benitez wants for part of the three-year deal. And that part of the three-year deal is about the keys to the kingdom. And I think if, they, if he genuinely is going to be given the keys to the kingdom, I think Charney and Carr could stay. But as long as they fit in with the roles and, and, and the restructure that Benitez has in mind, I, I keep hearing that he sees Newcastle United as a genuine project something he would be passionate about mm. and it certainly seems like he already is getting his teeth into it so mm. i think let's wait and see let's objective one stay up mm. then once we stay up we'll find out what what the idea is and then we'll see if there's still a role for these guys in there mm. personally i think we need somebody in charlie's position who has stature in football yeah. who is a respected football individual that someone can we can look up to a leader mm. um all these things that Lee Charney seems not to be, in my opinion. Mm. Um, so I, I think it, 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 I, I don't want the baby thrown out with the bathwater if it fits in with this grand plan that Rafa Benitez has reportedly got. But if it doesn't, um, then yes, I, I, my preference would be somebody who was seen as a, as a, as a leader and somebody who has stature in football. It's as simple as that. Somebody that the players can look up to and not think, who the hell are you? Exactly. Well said, Neil. Well said, Neil. I mean, well said. I mean, these players we've got here, sort of thing, now, of, of they're getting there. They're actually buying into Rafa's um, project here, sort of thing. If they just carry on what they're doing, listen to him, get him to stop being mm-hmm. tippy tappy, because you've been playing tippy tappy football, so it's just good, but not along your own defence, because he gets caught out some of the time. But what I will say. Right, I mean, if you do stay up in the Premier League, and I we will do, because I believe that we're going to stop in the Premier League, okay, then the future will be will be good. Yeah, that's, that's all so, John. Thanks for coming on. It's the end of the show now. It's 8 o'clock, and we'll be back next sure. Monday, John, and we'll have you back on, and let's talk all about Norwich, and let's see where we go from there. But thanks for coming on, John. It's been a pleasure. No, ever. no but before I let you go, I can't just say yeah. one quick thing, really, really yeah. quickly, about this break clause, like the break clause and contract, yeah. like what yeah. we've asked for. I mean, if I'm honest with you, sort of thing, I don't totally agree with it, and I tell you for why, because if you're going to come to the club and you sign a three-year contract, whatever it may be, sort of thing, to me, I believe you should be there for the long haul and not talk about this on break clause because it adds mm-hmm. a bit of negativity at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you guys think of it. I mean, do you think it's good to have this break clause or would you just um, say it's not right? Neil? Yeah. Well, I think it's just a normal thing that protects both parties in a contract like that. It's as simple as that. And, and I, I don't think anybody in their, in their right mind would sign a, a binding contract that would keep you there. It, 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 I know I know what you're saying and I hear what you're saying, understand it. But I think in, in the modern football game, nobody's going to sign a contract like that. They're just not. Um, I would love that to be somebody out there who would have honour and integrity and things like that. But I sure. think you'd find even the most die-hard Newcastle United fan in the world of football now signing a contract at this stage 
would still have a break clause because it protects the club as well. Like, like, like you said before, it sometimes protects the club as well as protecting the manager. So sure. it, it's always going to be in there. And I think that's what, what Benitez was trying to do with his comments, I think, was to diffuse the fact that it's there. Yeah. And instead right. of the way he's put it, the way he's put it, it's probably fueled the fire a little bit. Um, I think genuinely what he was trying to say was, this is a normal thing in everybody's contracts. What's everybody talking about it for? But um, that's just my take on it. I could be wrong, but I, I genuinely think you wouldn't see anybody signing that um, no. without a break closing nowadays. And I think the club wouldn't want that either. Sure, I know what you mean. Like, oh, I understand it now, sort of thing. That's mm. that just about clears things up there. Yeah, yeah great stuff. Thanks, no. thanks, John. So it was interesting to get different views. We'll, we'll continue this talk again next Monday on Toon Talk on the www.toontalk.co.uk and Gravity Radio Northeast via the TuneIn app. So, been a great night. Thanks so much, John. We'll talk to you next week, mate. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. See you next week. Thanks very much. Yes, Thanks, John. Yeah. Pleasure, mate. Thank Thanks a lot. Ta-da. 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 <laughs> well, we've got a great lineup tonight. Thanks very much, Neil, calling from Dubai. And uh, pretty for for a show I didn't expect yeah for a show that I didn't expect to go two hours tonight. It's gone two hours, and but most great great thanks to for Neil for coming on the show weekly and always keeping us me in check, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, everybody. It's Tune Talk. Four four three. Four four three. <laughs> that one mistake and he gets it. Thanks so much, everybody. I'll talk to I'll keep on talking to um, Neil the moment. Thanks a lot. Thanks for Tune Talk. Talk will be available on www.toontalk.com.